Drama City Productions presets. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. Episode 37. Loading file. Load complete. Don't be afraid of me. I'm sorry, Don't be afraid of me. I'm sorry, Don't be afraid of me. I'm Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. Big news this week. Big fucking news, Christian. Yes, we're on a network. That's right, people. We are on Drama City Productions, the world-famous Drama City Productions. Big applause. Edited and rated. Yes, so you can go ahead and you can check us out over at the DCP Network. Um, They are the host of a lot of awesome podcasts. We've got Small Town Mentality, Chewed Gum, uh, Regular Stories Podcast, Chino Pod, Paycheck and Red Podcast, um, and then also the, one of my favorite wrestling podcasts, uh, PWS, Podcast Wrestling Society. Yes. So go ahead, check us out. Um, it's the crew we hang with now. Yeah, make sure you are following each and every single one of them and listening to each and every single one of them. Damn straight. Great content. But let's get into some news for this week. That's right. We might be getting a possible Candyman remake. Don't say now, that name usually, too many times, yes. man. <laughs> Not in front of the mirror. <laughs> usually that might make me groan a little. Candyman is one of mm-hmm. my favorite like 90s horror movies. Um, but the name attached gets me really, really excited. Jordan Peele is rumored to be producing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and with the possibility of directing, they kind of left it open. Um, they, I guess, basically, uh, the person, the source, couldn't comment either way. Gotcha. So um, under wraps. Yes, I feel like Candyman is one of like I don't know. It's one of my favorite movies from the '90s, and I feel like it it doesn't get the recognition that it really deserves. Mm. Like it holds up that movie if you watch it. Like you know, today I feel like it's still a. A damn but at the same movie. time, I feel like it's easily adaptable now. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that they shouldn't like you know go ahead and give us another chapter of the Candyman story. I mean, they had. I don't think they've actually said it's a a straight remake either. Sure. Um, I'm assuming that, and I have no problem with that. I'm not one of those guys who just hate remakes, like anything with a remake in front of it. Um, I, I just don't see like how a direct sequel. Or like new chapter to the to Candyman. Kind of it's not not based off the story, but I'm just saying like how that would be with audiences today. Like, I don't think you need to do it direct. You could just kind of like leave it open, like whether or not the sequel. Maybe like a soft story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess that's the uh, the industry terminology, <laughs> right? Um, you know, where it, kind of what they did with the uh, Friday the Thirteenth remake, where they didn't like say like those movies didn't happen. Mm. They just like okay, this is a new movie. This is a new chapter, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jordan Peele will bring so much though to that story, even if he's just writing. 
That's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. I'll take that. Like, that'd be big news <laughs> to me if he was just like, because right now it just sounds like he might be just producing, but mm-hmm. if he has his hands on the script also, I mean, fuck yeah. How awesome would that be? And I think he would make that story relevant for today. I mean, it already has great context that really could tie in naturally with what's going on with today's society and everything, um, you know, taking place in the inner city of Chicago and everything like that. You could really, really, you know, mm-hmm. put a lot of like meat on that bone and go full fledged, you know, and he could, you know, have another, you know, movie that is as relevant as like Get Out if, you know, he, you know actually is going to pen it i i really think that's possible and it's just such an awesome story just a dark dark like you know like twisted like fairy tale of a story so i don't know i i'm how would you how would you feel though if they didn't take it in a serious direction they took it in more of a horror comedy direction i would hate it (laughs) i would fucking hate it I hope that doesn't happen because mm. that movie is like such a serious tone and it's really, I mean, it's original, it's a Clive Barker, you know, um, movie. And for me, it's just, I don't know, it's underappreciated. You don't hear many people talk about it, you know, in the same, I don't know, like, you know, uh, like they don't put it on the same pedestal as you would put like you know texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. and like friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street and I'm, I'm wondering if that's more because the sequels weren't nearly as good as the original um and there was only two so but I, that original movie though the you know the first candy man man i can't say enough about that movie i mean i've got the poster on my wall <laughs> so i'm a fan um tony todd was just perfect in that role um, whenever I see Tony Todd, he's still always Candyman oh, yeah. to me. <laughs> so just it's a just really death in general. Yes, it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but just a great character and just a, just a genuinely like creepy story that I feel like Jordan Peele could just really add, you know, a mm. nice like modern day twist, you know, with it. I mean, it's just ripe for like you know social commentary. Um, you know, and I, it had that in the original movie, so I think it's just a perfect fit for him. So I mean, I, I I'm excited. You know, if this is true, tell. right? It's it's a rumor mm. right now, so we don't know exactly. <laughs> you know, for all we know, it's Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> you, I was going the same direction. You picked it right. Platinum up. Dune. Ooh. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, hopefully everything is true. Jordan Peele is going to have a part of this. Um, and, you know, we get a fantastic movie out of it. It's about time that someone's... I haven't even heard them talk about, like, a Candyman remake no. in years at least. So I, I'm wondering why. It just... They're, they're just looking for more content to make at this point. No, I'm just... Well, no, I'm not wondering why they're doing oh. it. I'm wondering why we haven't heard of it. I feel... For me, like, honestly, like, it was one of my favorite movies in the 90s, um, horror-wise. So, um, just a great movie. And it, it took itself seriously, What you know, which we know what happens in the mid-90s, where mm. just all the movies are just parodies of, you know, other horror films at that point. So, it's really one of the last, you know, great, like, horror movies, true horror movies of the 90s. So, I don't know. I'm excited, as you can tell, yes. obviously. <laughs> Well, we've been in a bit of a renaissance when it comes to horror films. Uh, people have been taking them a little bit more seriously. Yes. Uh, we have the conjuring verse that's been going on. Yes, and studios are starting to yes. take them more seriously because they're making a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. which a movie did this weekend. Yes, The Nun. The Nun made a shitload of money. <laughs> 
Um, where are we at? Let me see. Hold on. Let me pull it up. It was made for like pocket change, Hollywood-wise. Twenty-two mm-hmm. million dollars. Nothing. That they got a lot on the screen for twenty-two million dollars, though. Well, when you think about, it, there was not too much CGI that they had to work with. There wasn't too much, which like, I enjoyed. Mm. The fact that there wasn't like tons of CGI. You didn't have to do like a lot of crazy special effects on this film. And there were really only a few set pieces. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you're right, but it location. still didn't feel that way. You know, some movies feel mm. small when you say, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." That budget, you know. But yeah. This was not that movie. Um, they they milked that twenty two million dollars. I feel like uh, it made a total worldwide box office of one hundred thirty three point one million dollars. Not bad. Yeah, not that's bad. that's them saying sequels happening. No matter. Oh what. yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, at least of this movie, or if not, like oh, mm. we're gonna we're gonna milk the Conjuring ver- verse. You know, is that what they're calling it now? The Conjuring. I'm verse? calling it the Conjuring verse. I've heard different things. People are like, you know, I don't know what they've coined it. Oh, it's actually on the poster though. Maybe it is the Conjuring verse. I believe they threw it up on the poster from the Conjuring, Conjuring verse. universe. Universe. Okay, whatever. I, I, we'll go Conjuring verse. <laughs> Fuck James. What does he know? Um, yeah, so, but we both saw it. Yes. So, Christian, tell me your thoughts. Um, I, I was okay with it. Okay. You know, there was a lot of it where I was able to predict things coming real fast. Um, there was, I think my main, the main thing that drove me nuts about this film mm-hmm. was the kind of, you know, fool me once, shame on, you know, you, you. fool me You're trying to say multiple this. times. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the preacher kept following every bad sign that there was. Yeah. Every time that they were just like, there was a situation. It's just like, hey, learn something from. There's the some mistakes. serious horror movie logic going yes. on. Yes. I agree with that fully. And I just, I don't know. I felt like we're a bit past that at, at this As point. As a society? No, just in these films <laughs> that they've been building towards and everything. In the Conjuring yes. movies? Yes. I, you know, for me, I was surprised how much this did not feel like part of that universe. Like, mm. I felt like this felt like a whole separate, like, entity. Like, it could have been a yeah. different, I, you know, I hear that. movie or, like, completely separate from those country movies, um, you know, which was unexpected. So, but no, go ahead. Continue. Well, no, what I did like, though, was at first, and when I saw the um, actress that was going to be uh, the... She's not a full nun in the film at the point. That's right. She's uh, earning her nunhood. I don't know what she, that's called. Yeah. <laughs> she looks very similar to um, the main actress in uh, The Conjuring. Like, like almost, yes. And yes. I was like, oh, what if this is like, they're going to play it off as a grandma, especially since she has a similar power set. And I still stuff. feel like there's a possibility of that. Yeah. I, I don't like that too much. I'm okay. I was I, fine I with it not being that connected. Like, oh, maybe that's how they're going to connect this in, is that this is grandma. And, you know, especially since... And they, for people... Spoilers, obviously, for yes. the review, but she gets premonitions. Mm. So she sees things just like... Um, the, what's her I'm name? I'm trying to remember her name. Mrs. <laughs> Warren, right? Yes. Um, I can't remember her actual name, but yeah. But, yeah, just the same exact thing where she gets premonitions of things. Well, they kept emphasizing the fact that she's not a full nun, so she hasn't taken her vows, so she could technically... So it leaves it open. Yeah, could have been with Frenchie or something and had a child and all that, but no. Um, So, just to kind of get into, like, Mm -hmm. the whole story and everything, basically, I mean, one of the 
the scenes that I love the most is like the first scene where you get like, you know, the two nuns trying to like, I don't know what they're exactly they're trying to do. They're opening up this door and I'm not well, sure if they're trying I to I think their goal was to it? get the relic. Oh, to get the relic. Yes. But there's a beast obviously coming towards them. But I felt like they're trying to keep something inside with all the crosses. So they have literally, like, a, maybe a hundred, like, crosses lining the hallway. From what I recall, they were stating that this was their last resort. Like, they need to get the relic to seal. Because I was a little confused. I was like, are you trying to seal the door? But then the one lady goes in, the one nun goes in. So I was like, okay, mm. is she trying to, like, are you feeding? Like, I didn't know. And this is the very opening yes. of the movie. So there's a little confusion exactly what's going on. But then, you know... Though she basically tells her, you know what to do, you know, um, she goes in and then you just hear just, you know, death happening, basically. She comes crawling out. She's like, remember what you're supposed to do? Are you prepared? And she's like, no. And then she just goes running and there's like a chase scene mm. happening. Um, then she gets to a noose that's hanging out by the window. She puts it on and she hangs herself. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty intense scene, um, and a great way to opening, open the movie. And that score at that point was phenomenal. Cause I just, the, the deep monks like growling <laughs> in the background, I was like, oh, this is fucking badass. It reminded me a lot of the opening of Dracula, um, Bram Stoker's, oh, okay. Francis Ford Coppola's, uh, version of Dracula where they open up in the church and everything. Um, just a similar kind of tone and everything, and mm. even the score felt similar. Like, yeah, you're going to notice a lot more um, fan service for... Like, yeah, and I don't know if that's stuff. exactly what they're drawing on, mm. but it, it did feel that way. Um, but yeah, so uh, just kind of giving the story in a nutshell, basically, they're at this place called the Abbey that they've kind of turned into a place of worship due to the fact that years in the past, some crazy duke was trying to o open a portal to hell. The church crashed this as it was about to happen, using the blood of Christ, closed the portal, and then opened up, like, a church, like, around it with, like, nuns who have to basically pray nonstop to keep this, like, demon at bay. Um, pretty badass uh, premise when you look at it. It was very, also, a throwback to another movie, it felt very much like Hell House, um, an old 70s haunted house movie mm. where this house has been, you know, in this lineage of this, like, crazy duke who is, like, a Satan worshiper, and that's why it's got so much shit going on. But that it felt very much like that, mm. which I was okay with. Like, it felt like it was kind of drawing off of that, especially with the scene and the way it was shot. Um, really cool scene, though. So you have this guy from the town basically making a delivery though in the, you know, the next day it mm. seems like, and he, or maybe not the next day because the, the corpse is pretty rotted at that point yeah, right. at some point. Um, and he finds the hanging nun. Mm. So another pretty cool scene. Um, and that's our introduction to Frenchie. Yes. Who is also Maurice. Correct. Yeah. That's his, I think his name. Yeah. Maurice something. And we'll get to that. Mm. Uh, but so then they make, I don't know who, because it seems like a very small town in Romania, but someone calls the church. I'm not sure I guess. who has this number to the church, lets them know what's happened. The church goes ahead and sends out their priest, who is a 
miracle finder or hunter. It sounds like they're, it's basically their exorcist, mm. you know, who kind of, you but know. they don't want to call it. Him, that. yes. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So, um, and then they team him up with this young nun in training, if you will. I don't know what the proper terminology mm. is. Um, who at first we're trying to figure out, like, it, it seems like a mystery, like, why he, because even he's like, I'm surprised they're sending you with me. Like, and they, they, the, one of the Cardinals says, well, she's got ties to that town. Yes. But then when she talks to, when he talks to her, she's like, no, I'm not from that area. Mm-hmm. And that kind of left me confused. Like, I started second guessing when they finally meet up with, like, Frenchie. Like, does she really know him? Is there something, you know, like, is there something mm-hmm. there that we're missing? But then we find out the reason why they really put them together, the nun and the priest, was because she has these premonitions. So I feel like they kind of set that up so they can go together and, you know, haunt this. And it felt very much, once again, like you were getting this duo, like the Warrens, mm-hmm. who are, you know, hunting this demon. Um, so it was very much like, you know... The Conjuring in that regards, but very much different than The Conjuring, um, just from almost every other aspect, mm. I felt. Um, but yeah, so then you have them, like, you know, going to the church. They have Frenchie take them there, and then he's, like, almost like, I'm out, but then he decides to stay, um, which, once again, started me thinking, like, do they have a relationship? I was completely, like, thrown off by this the entire time where I kept on thinking I was like why is he sticking around what's the reason you know if he feels well, like he still leaves in the end he does leave at the end but he sticks around a little long mm. like he sticks around till like night which you know after what he saw and everything especially that great op- that scene when they go into um the uh not the morgue what is the, it uh, the, ice maso- box the mausoleum yeah. they go oh no it's right it's their delivery right yeah, but there's ice like Room that's right but it looks like a mausoleum of course and like he they show like he put the body there and he's like you know it's like sitting in the corner mm-hmm. and he's, he's like, like i laid her down yes i laid her down which was pretty <laughs> cool pretty cool <laughs> see that was intense um there are a lot of scenes like that where it really kind of it's a really nice setup especially in the beginning um i did feel like it kind of lost that at the probably halfway point though where it kind of felt like it became so relentless where it was just like non-stop mm-hmm. it didn't give you time to breathe that being said i i'm a huge fan of like gothic horror um i felt like this was almost like a love letter like i, I don't know if you're familiar with like hammer film films at all but i'm a huge like hammer film guy it's basically remakes of all the universal monsters um you know um, by a british studio hammer um in like this like late 60s 70s um peter cushing christopher lee you know they did dracula Mm -hmm. everything this whole setup is very much a hammer setup like just classic hammer storytelling um, even from like, you know, the town of Romania and you've got the one mm. guy who's kind of the guide and everything and just two people thrown together. Um, the cinematography, the way it was shot, it felt very hammer. So I, right away I was like on board with this. So um, my review might be a little skewed because, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, of that fan service. But I, um, and I feel like it was fan service. I was like, there's no way this director has never seen like the work of like Terrence Fisher. Like, there's absolutely mm-hmm. no way. 
Um, that being said, this was like a Hammer movie on crack. Like, to the point where I think I came out, like, I almost felt like at the end, the last, like, 45 minutes had the pacing of, like, fucking Evil Dead. Like, it was just relentless. Like, it was nonstop. And I think that's kind of to its detriment because it didn't give you a chance to breathe at all. And I felt like there were, I don't know, threads of logic that kind of got, I know, lost you know, and everything that was happening at the time, like, it, like this, things just didn't pan out. Like, I, like you said, with the priest, like, why is the priest, like, keep on falling for, you know, these little traps Throughout the entire film. that the demon keeps on setting mm. up? Like, once they go in, the place seems empty, but then all of a sudden there's this, like, nun sitting there in this, like, dark, like, black, I don't know what they call it, veil, mm. right? And I don't know. Would you trust this nun, you know, and this creepy exorcist voice telling you to come back the next day, but there's no other nuns around? Um, right then and there, it's like, okay, well, we're we're in for that kind of movie, which I'm fine with. Like, I'm fine with that I, moment. Like, I like I know this is the demon talking to them, yeah, setting them. And up. And here's another moment: the graveyard moment, right? Mm. So they do the little thing where they show like the little bells on the you know tombstones, and we saw it in one of the little teasers. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty creepy, like, origin, what those bells mean. Like, yeah. basically, it's to help anyone who's buried alive to, like, you know, summon someone to untick them, which is just terrifying for me. I'm totally claustrophobic. So, you have the priest wake up in the middle of the night. He's having these nightmares about this exorcism that he did, um, that he performed, and this little boy, mm-hmm. you know, ended up passing on, who was obviously possessed but he feels like he has a part of it like he misdiagnosed it at first he f- he felt like they also rushed it as well he was trying to get it and it was too much yeah. at, right um so he's carrying around this guilt with him and i was like okay well this is kind of different but i thought it was going to be more introspective but then it was just like okay this is just another toy for the demon to really just mm-hmm. you know i don't know like taunt him with so it felt like it could have been like i don't know a completely different movie if you added on like 20 minutes because it was relatively short it was an hour and a half long i felt like it could I have been that. yeah it, it, i mean it was quick pace so i was it was especially that last 45 minutes mm. but it felt like it could have been a different movie like it could have been like kind of a slow burn mm. you know 70s style movie where you have like a character piece almost going on um but it seemed like it wanted its cake and eat it too at the same time, where it was like introducing these elements of that type of story, but then like microwaving it. Yeah, just go. Yes, yes. Um, they introduce which, something and then it would happen. Yes, was... literally the next moment. And like, okay, are we going there? And like, oh yeah, we're going there. And it's the next scene. Um, there are some great scenes in this movie, though. Um, the scene where, the same night where the priest gets, you know, buried alive, I, he goes into the graveyard following that ghost, mm. and then he gets stuck in the coffin. Um, I don't know why he would choose to follow the ghost. I, just, you know? I feel like, especially someone in his position... Should know better? Yeah. If he's done exorcisms before and he has a, a background with demons... Yes. And a they don't... demon toying with you, a, a body that he knows is dead... Yeah. In all fairness, though, they don't really, like... They say that he knows, you know, he's done exorcisms, but you don't know, like, how 
much like how, how experienced he really is. But yes, it feels like he's a little too gullible mm. to follow this, you know, this little boy into the graveyard. Because I kept on thinking it was a dream, too. Mm. I was like, oh, is he going to wake up? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Because it was so illogical. Like, I was like, okay, he's going to wake up any moment and he's going to be in his bed sweating or something. But no, that did not happen. I was like, oh, this shit's really happening. <laughs> he's really buried underneath there. Because then the nun um, wakes up and she is following something too and she ends up in the, um, what is it called? The church part where they do the prayers. Where they're sleeping, there's also a church attached to it. Yes, which is with a headless Jesus on a cross, Mm. which, you know, was awesome imagery. But like all these like nuns are like praying and stuff and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you're like, okay, Get the hell out of there. What are you doing? You know? And then, of course, she sees the nun, like, in the background. Mm. And, like, you know, the mirror breaks that, you know, she sees her reflection in. She runs out. She finds the priest in the graveyard Which somehow. was convenient. Yes. Well, before she starts, she has visions that help her find him. But at the same time, like, she sees all the bells and then she's able to somehow mentally concentrate uh-huh. to find the one. Which bell? Because, yes, the demon starts ringing mm. all the bells. But before that, without any sound, without being able to hear the preacher, she starts yelling for the preacher and immediately goes to where he is. Like, as if she knew that he was out there. Mm. Yeah. Like she ran outside calling for the, Like, why wouldn't you check the bedroom first? You don't know <laughs> that he left the building. I'm just saying it was very I see what you're convenient saying. at yeah. that moment. Why I let it go because I'm like, oh, maybe it's just psychic intuition. Yes, you there know, you go. I, <laughs> why wouldn't Valak just stop the bells from ringing or cut the cord, right? Yeah. She was just obviously fucking with them at that point. Mm-hmm. Why, I don't know. Um, they did make mention at the beginning of the movie in the opening scene that we talked about that Valak needs a body, a host, to leave the mm-hmm. church, um, the abbey. So I don't know if that was, but you would think that she would just be able to jump in at that point. But obviously she likes to play with her food before she eats because that really seems like what she's doing is kind of fucking with them the entire but time. also maybe don't put the preacher in the grave that has all the answers to all the problems. Right well, that was house. also interesting too. Like where, yes, because right, all the books are underneath there. Yeah. He so ends up being on top of the grave of the guy. So, and then that's was, where you get all your exposition mm-hmm. from. Which was kind of interesting. Like, why would they choose? Because then, at one point, I was thinking, well, was that really Valak? Or was it someone else mm. who was trying to, like, help them in a way? Because um, you get, that's a classic, like, ghost story trope where there's actually, like, a good ghost trying to, like, free all their souls. Well, I mean, that is an them. element of the story. So, yes, to a certain extent. Um, but, yeah, that kind of felt like that. I was like, okay, well, maybe that isn't, you know, Valak, you know, you know, fucking with them, maybe it's something else. So then you get them back at the church, or the oh, you also get a. This was another scene that I really enjoyed. You get Frenchie traveling through. That was, that the, was a good one. Yes, I enjoyed that mm. moment, and that was also a very hammer moment. Um, even the way that he gets kind of lured into like the graveyard. So he's traveling back. He leaves mm. them at night, which is like, why would you leave at night? You know, you're terrified to even go close to the Abbey and now you're leaving the Abbey at night, but whatever I can deal with that. <laughs> um, so you get this cool scene where he's kind of walking through the graveyard. He sees this like nun kind of in the background and he starts to follow her. And then of course you get attacked by a zombie fucking nun. 
You know, I'm kind of hoping that you a get dead eye, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. It's very, very like um, the one that definitely they get fight later on. That I was like, this is this is a dead eye. Yes, this is very much evil. Or, or to me, it felt like they wanted to make a vampire movie, mm. like a ham a hammer vampire movie with possessed nuns. Yes, that's what it felt like. Because even the way they get like kill the nuns, like the possessed nuns who are spirits, really, or demons, well, or no, they're good. All the nuns that she, but they kill, the lady? few that the few know in the last scene when they're oh, all like there. Yeah, the, was very like vampire slayerish, you know, the way that they're taking out these nuns. It just felt like this dude really wanted to make a hammer movie. That's what it felt like to me. Which I'm cool with. Hey man, I, I want you to make a hammer movie too. Um, so I was fine with that. But yes, it felt very evil dead like too. Like the way like the makeup was and everything. It was a cool scene though. I thought it was fun. Hmm. So um I'm all for like a demon nun zombies <laughs> becoming a subgenre of horror. Mm. Bring it. <laughs> um, it was pretty fucking creepy. So, um, but yeah, once they get after that point though, and they go into the churches like the next day yeah. and they meet these other nuns kind of, it just feels like everything. Like I was like, okay, like there's hardly anyone in here. You're meeting a couple months. So like right away, like you know something's off. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that way. Oh, immediately that was my assumption. You're like was, these, these, these real. yeah, these nuns. Like it. So it really, and I don't know if it's supposed to be a mystery. I don't know if it's supposed to be a surprise or a twist. But it did not feel that way. It felt mm-hmm. very predictable. Um, I was fine with it though. So um, I started to buy into it once we got to. So we get to a point where um, Valak is kind of just attacking all the nuns. Like, she's gone down to the, like, uh, it's at nights. Well, yeah, they find, they there's at a chapel, basically, mm. right? And you're, you're talking about when the nuns are praying? Yeah, they explain to her that um, they have to take turns praying. It has and to be a constant she, she can't leave because they've closed the gates already and it's at night. Because she almost interrupts one while mm. they're praying and another nun because says, no, 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 no. You, she has to keep on saying her prayer. Um, and they basically tag in and out yeah. the entire time, which is cool. I like that. I thought that was a cool premise. So Valak uh, tricks her into going into like the room with all the crosses, the hallway and everything. She's got the key, so she's kind of curious what's at the end of this hallway, if it has anything to do with the key. And then you see Valak in the um, in the doorway, and mm-hmm. she like freaks out, of course, and she's getting pulled in and everything. Um, one of the nuns, of course, saves her last minute, and then they have this whole. That's when the whole pretty much it picks up, like speed yes. from that. Moment that's forward. when it becomes nonstop. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, she they yeah she goes to her room. She wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's like someone praying like bedside, which is pretty fucking creepy. Um, she goes up to them and then the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then you don't know what's real and what's not real. Um, you know, when she enters that room, she gets locked in right away. Mm. Um, so, and then the priest is somewhere, like <laughs> reading books the entire yeah. time. He's he, in that main hallway. The and oh, then time. he runs into mother superior again, the one mm-hmm. with the black veil on and she like falls to pieces on him. So right then and there, it's like, well, get the fuck out. The ground's not holy anymore because that's the whole like premise. Yes. The reason why he's there is to like figure out if the ground is still holy. Like after like five like seconds of being there, it's like okay, no, this shit's gone sour. Let's get the hell out of here, you know. But I don't know. 
you know, there's still an hour left in the movie, so we've yeah. got to fill some and time. And his nun is locked inside. But it doesn't feel like he's looking for her, right? No. He's just reading his books. <laughs> I mean, he did get worried when the gates started to close on him, but... Okay. All right. I just felt like he wasn't concerned. Like, he was so, like... And I don't know if it... Part of me was like, are you just kind of, I don't know, off kilter because you're you're mm. being kind of taunted by, you know, this past guilt with the... Because that ghost is still kind of following him at the t- same time. Mm. So I didn't know, if, like, you know, he's being influenced by that somehow. Because, yeah, logically, it doesn't really make any sense. You would think that he would take one look, like, once after the head nun falls into pieces and you realize okay hmm. this is just a weird well ghost. also the boy is also like valic it's because yeah. like the snake tongue and everything yes yes but you would think okay mm. i'm obviously being attacked by a demon here let's get yeah. the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> uh, um that's also when the preacher figures out oh there's another way to get inside and that's he has to go through the icebox chamber because they have an additional door to the castle there uh-huh and that's when he goes down there and he fights well kind of fights the um the one that originally died the one that killed herself yes yes and these are, i i enjoyed all these scenes mm. though like all the action scenes and everything would i say the movie's scary no, no. would i say the movie's fun Yes, I would say the movie's fun. Well, when the, when Frenchie shows up with a shotgun, there's a yeah. literal, like, <laughs> There was. It felt like he was playing, like, an Ash-like character mm-hmm. from, like, the Evil Dead movies. It felt like he was that character. My crowd started clapping, by the way. Really? At that very moment. I it was, was like, a cool oh, wow. moment. <laughs> uh, but there was, the, the action got so intense and so, like, like I said, I'll say this word over and over unrelenting where it just was non-stop that it felt like an evil dead movie mm. pacing wise um at the last like 40 minutes of the film um which isn't a bad thing it's just not what i was expecting at all from like a conjuring verse movie because none of those movies are like that mm. so um but i enjoyed it I, I really did enjoy that aspect of it like it's not not at all scary you know and i felt like it could have been you know a much scarier and darker movie if they really want to and that's saying a lot because it is pretty dark but if they would have let some of those like cut out some of those scenes maybe add maybe like some like you know like 15 minutes of like character interaction where you could really get to know these characters more in their relationships because really after the first half hour we get away from character building completely they really introduce those characters show a couple like key scenes so you can get to know them quickly and then that's it you know then they're just vehicles to get the story across um but you could have added that and then you could have just put like a good like couple minutes between each scene and let those scenes breathe a little cut a few out Mm. some of the you know false jump scares or whatever and you could have had a scarier movie like this movie is not about suspense oh and the part that they show in the trailer the mm-hmm. main part, I would have just cut that from the film. Yeah, they didn't need they, to be in there. Need, and it's such like, a throwaway scare, mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah, but that was really the whole trailer. I am surprised, like, how much, how little they showed you. Um, and I don't know if they're... Obviously, it's a good marketing thing, so then you're kind of, you know, caught off guard, like, holy shit, this movie's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's wrestling fucking demon nuns in the graveyard and shit. Uh, but yeah, so we get to the end... I don't even know how we can even sum up the end. Like, so they have to find the blood of Christ. It's somewhere in yes. the building. It's Mary in that points hallway. the way. Yes, that's right. One of her premonitions, uh, after every single one of her premonitions, she hears the phrase, Mary points the way. 
So I think that's kind of one of the reasons the Cardinals ends up sending her, you know, hoping, mm-hmm. I don't know why that would tie into what's going on, but they're in the hallway and, you know, it's a little too on the nose. Like they even have a little the like the lighting on the finger. Was I was like, okay, but that I was like, okay, we're here now. <laughs> <laughs> we're unapologetic. We're here now. We're mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so, you know, we're almost full-fledged camp. Like, it was kind of, like, teetering that line of, mm. you know, just going over-the-top campy. Um, and then she's able to, yes, the, the finger glows. Mary's finger glows for a second. She's able it's to find the second, blood. It's not a second, Damon. Light is just continuously <laughs> hitting it and pointing. I was like, oh, okay. It's but- Jesus. <laughs> They're hunting for the blood of Jesus. Give him a break. Yeah. So... <laughs> So then they go through almost what feels like, I don't know, a walkthrough of like a haunted house where it's just like nonstop trying to Mm. like, you know, stop Valak basically. And they're trying to like close the seal. Um, And there's a pretty good scene, right, where they're like, oh, she's praying. Like she starts praying. That's when, oh, they find her, right? Right. That was an awesome scene though, where she's like praying and everything, and she thinks all those nuns around her, and then she realizes they're just, like, corpses mm-hmm. on the ground. And it's great when Valak's, like, carving into her back. Yes. And... Yes. That was a pretty, like, and all the nuns are dropping mm-hmm. who are, like, praying around her. That's a pretty awesome scene. But anyway, the, the, so let's fast forward. <laughs> so anyway, let's... Uh, so basically, to get rid of Valak, the nun... fucking swallows some of the blood of Jesus, and then... Bits it in her fucking face. I don't think you get more badass than that, Christian. No. You're uh, spitting the blood of Jesus <laughs> in this demon nun's face. Yeah, that probably tasted horrible. Oh my god. Well, it's <laughs> how many years old? It's not Rookie didn't turn to dust. Yes. As soon as he cracked <laughs> um, what's it called? Uh, before that, just before that, uh, Malik attacks Frenchie, and what we don't see. That's right. Well, I was going to get to that in mm. the end, but yes, yes. We basically find out, and we think Frenchie prevails and everything, but we find out that he ends up getting possessed. Yes. Um, so we get this cool scene with spitting Jesus blood at people, but then, you know, in the long run, it's all for naught, and Valak gets her wish, and she gets out of the Abbey. Um, and it directly ties into The Conjuring. The first Conjuring, mm. which was kind of a surprise. Um, they, in kind of a weird shoehorn, you know, moment. Um, and I'm wondering if they kind of shot it after the fact. Like, they got the idea to, like, oh, wait a second. It, it would be really cool to make this part of, like, the first Conjuring 2. We could totally... I mean, that's, that's the only thing they changed, was they just reshot that moment with mm-hmm. um, Frenchie there. And everything else is... Oh, you're talking about the actual, but I'm talking about when they're in the wagon and they're like, oh. she's like, what's your real name, by the way? Yeah. You know, it just seems like, okay, wait a second. Why didn't you just call him Maurice the entire Our film? Friend, yeah. Did he really need to be called Frenchie? Uh, so that was a little weird. And like, I, I felt like it was a reshoot, but I, I could be wrong and it could have been there in the entire time. It just felt a little off-putting, but whatever. Um, it, but then they, they, it's basically the opening of the Conjuring when they yeah. meet up with the it's, Warrens in the uh, college, right? Mm-hmm. Lecture room. and The uh, mom is from the family is there like learning about it. Yes, mm-hmm. and you're seeing one of the exorcisms that the Warrens um, 
uh, take part in, and it's Frenchie um, possessed. And I, they did recast. You know, obviously, it's not the same actor mm-hmm. from you know that opening scene of The Conjuring, but you know, it is the scene pretty much. So that's it, that was pretty cool. Um, that took me you know by surprise because I really I was like, okay, well, I know it ties in from obviously the the uh, second Conjuring, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that it would go that deep. Um, and I don't know if it really needed to. You know, it didn't really make or break the movie for me. It's, but, I mean, it, it explains why Malik's so pissed off with them, because she got kicked out of her vessel. But Yes, yes, because, yeah, then she, you know, obviously fucks with them in, you know, part two. So that's mm. basically all part two. Um, yeah, so it was pretty intense, though. You know, it, it was not the movie I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more of that kind of, like, slow burn, you know, Conjuring, what we've got from with the other mm. Conjuring movies. Um, not that those are completely slow burn, but I don't know. I, I felt like we were going to get more character moments and stuff. Like, we did not get yeah. that. We got basically the marriage between, like, an Evil Dead film and a Hammer film, you know, which I love both of those things. <laughs> so I walked out having a good time. I enjoyed it. Was it the best horror movie I've seen this year? No, not at all. But I found it enjoyable. So it was, it was a good popcorn movie um you know it's i it's not something i would consider scary Mm. at all i could see maybe you know if you're fainted heart or you know you're not a big horror movie fan Mm. why you might you know find some of these scenes a little too intense for you i mean god if you're religious at all i wouldn't see this movie (laughs) if you're religious and easily offended um so i mean a lot of the just imagery that they have the cinematography, too, I felt like was really good, though. Like, I felt like it was really well shot. Um, you know, just classic gothic horror. I liked um, the silent cross-turning. Yes. Um, when she's in the bedroom. Yes, those are It took cool me a moments. second. I noticed out of the corner of my eye, it's turning up. That down. was really cool. I enjoyed that. Um, there And there are a lot of little subtle things mm-hmm. that they fucked around with in this movie, where I feel like if you go back and watch it again, you'll see more. There's probably like layers. Which that's that a direct tie into the second Conjuring as well. Cause the cross, yes. I forgot all about that. So. Yeah, I did too until you just said it. Yeah, that is in the second one. Um, so yeah, so how did you feel? Um, I mean, I think overall I was more on the disappointed side just because I was expecting something a little bit more... In the vein of the Conjuring? In the vein of the Conjuring, more taking it a little bit more seriously. So mm-hmm. I, I left feeling kind of like middle ground, like uh, almost like a C grade for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were, I don't know, I, I feel like I enjoyed what I got out of the Annabelle ones a little bit more. The first Annabelle? Well, the second one. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow. But even the... I and know. I didn't hate, like, I didn't hate the first Annabelle. I was just disappointed with the first Annabelle. I did feel like the first Annabelle was actually scarier than this, mm-hmm. though. I did feel that, like that whole basement scene in that first Annabelle, um, definitely, and it was more akin to the pacing of mm. the. I like the movies. I like the stories in those a little bit better than I like this one. Really? Okay. Okay. I could see that. Mm. There's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of story. Like we don't even know <laughs> why the demon looks like a nun in the first place, right? It like it picks, it picks a thing to defile. Like it's the defiler, so it's like oh, it's that's defiling right. the image of a nun, and it's the and it's what's it you know it's mm. captures basically it's what's holding it at bay right now. So yeah, it would pick that image. That makes sense. So, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. 
I walked in the movie feeling the same way. Like, I thought I was going to get a movie in the mm. vein, the same vein of The Conjuring. Because why wouldn't you? But I was actually pleasantly surprised by the fact that I got a Hammer movie. <laughs> so I was okay with it. I enjoyed it. Like, I was... And this sounds like I'm a crazy person, but I'm, cause especially since I was sitting in the theater by myself, but I was like laughing at parts of the movie, but in a good way, mm. not because it was so bad, but it was because it was so insane that I was like, holy shit, I can't believe it, they just did that. Um, you know, especially the blood of Jesus, spitting the blood mm. of Jesus. Um, yeah, so I think I just, I, I don't know. But at the same time, I probably would give it, like if you were going to give it stars, what would you give it? Uh, for me, three and a half. That's exactly what I would end up giving it. Like, I wouldn't say it's a four-star movie, you know? Yes, it it's like a good, like, you know, almost cover of a Hammer movie and an Evil Dead movie, but it's not as good mm-hmm. as a Hammer movie or an Evil Dead movie at the same time. So, um, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's... It's a, it's, for me, it's like a fun, like, Sunday afternoon watch. Yeah. You know, it's not something I'll be going to, like, every (laughs) year at Halloween or something. Mm -hmm. So, it's not, it's not a classic. And I mean, even as we've seen with um, Annabelle, uh, the first one being okay, but then the second one being something much better. Awesome, yeah. Would you hope for an improvement in a sequel for this one? Because it, you're getting a sequel. I, I, it's gonna happen. Oh, especially after all the money. Because yes. I think it might be the highest grossing opening of any of the Conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but I think they were saying that it's the highest like opening for any of those Conjuring films, which is saying a lot. And what do you know? What studio this is under? I know I'm throwing. It was there. New Line. Okay. Um, because anytime I see the New Line logo, I always pop because obviously Nightmare on Elm Street. So. Um, but yeah, I believe it was New Line. I don't know what's affiliated with mm. though, because I think it's New I mean, Line's long gone. It's just kind of a logo at this. All point. of these have been victories for these students. Oh, so. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just making money after. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Mm. I think someone said that it is the highest, the second highest grossing franchise, um, next to Marvel now. With you know, like mm. you know, that kind of like shared universe, it's actually which stuck. is great for something that especially that's rated R and horror. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great for horror because that means we'll get more movies like this. Support horror, and people did obviously. I am still looking forward to the Crooked Man, though. I I feel like that yes. can be a terrifying character if they do it right. Yes, if they do it right. Um, I like that. I did like that. This was. I know style wise was just in a different vein of the Conjuring movies because I feel like if you're kind of beaded over the head with the same style of movie over and over again, I feel like that would get old quickly. Yes. So would you want to see Crooked Man in that same kind of light, like in like taking a different direction? Um. Yes, but I would. I want it to be like terrifying. Because me, I could see. Have you seen Babadook? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, I, I could see almost in that vein. Very much so. You know? Um, I mean, like, that's almost what I think of when I think Yes, of, yes. When I saw that character in the first place. Yes, yes. So I could totally see it, like, in mm-hmm. that kind of tone, like a smaller movie, almost, um, you know, but just, I don't know, intense. So I, I, I'm excited for that, too. Do, do we know when that's... that's uh, not, not yet. Was it I feel like it's in production. I feel really. like so, too, because they announced it, mm-hmm. so... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, especially after the success of this movie, it's going to get you know oh, yeah. fast tracked. <laughs> I'm sure. So, but yeah, I with a sequel to this, I just don't know where you go. 
Like, do you go... Because I thought it was only 10 years um, between this and the country movie, but it's actually 20 years. Okay. So I don't know if you go, you know, like an in-between quill almost, where you kind of see, like, what happened with Frenchie and how he, you know, got possessed, or, like, if you have... You follow the priest and the nun mm. at this point. So... I mean, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to take it, because... Uh... I think it'd be cool if they did, like, more exorcism-style stories, or almost, like, in the vein of The Exorcist. With the with priest and the, the nun. But then do you... I mean, I guess you could still call it the but nun, because... you're following a nun. But then wouldn't people be disappointed that, like, Valak's not part of it? People are all about that character. They love the imagery and everything. I guess, but if you introduce a cool enough demon, a new villain for them to fight it's i think yeah. it's so interesting i could see like in, especially if it's like in this style in this mm. you know vein of storytelling i don't want to see valak come back too soon yeah no i don't either i mean i i i'm guessing that if they do do it that they will follow valak i feel like it's going to be kind of i mean they recess. do have to not they don't have to kind of show where valak is between like after leaving frenchie kind of like I feel like it's going to be Maurice's story. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like that. So, um, oh, you're talking about how many years is that though? You know, and, it, and isn't the demon really with them at that point? It kind of feels like the demon's part of that, like painting at that point somehow. I don't know. So. <laughs> Good answer. I feel like no. I feel like that'd be weird if it's just like in his mind, and that's what. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because like, it shows up mostly at the Amityville house. Right? Well, yes. that's when she's being haunted. Like, the, after, you know, that's where she gets whatever's whispered vision. to yeah. her, right? Mm-hmm. That's when she kind of gets, like, the visions and everything. And that's when they start getting haunted. And it's, like, rumored to believe that she's part of the reason why um, the Amityville horrors even happened. Oh, really? Yes, like she might have been the one to push Who him. triggered it? Yes, in this universe. Valak yes. is the one who triggered it. Okay. That's in The Conjuring too. Yeah. They, they kind of no, say no. that? No, it's, it's kind of just like people are Fan. building. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Which I think that would be Wait, a is this great... a real thing, Christian, or is this just people on the internet talking? I think that would be a great way if they wanted to introduce uh, Ed Warren and them going after... The Amityville horror, because I would love to see them in. I feel like, see, I want to see the Amityville like story, Mm. you know, on film, and I know they kind of touched upon it already, so I don't know if they're going to go that route. Um, and maybe it's might be something legally where they, you Mm. know, don't have necessarily the rights to do that version. Um, you know, and I hope they don't feel like it's a film that's been done too much. But yeah, yeah, because that would be great to see, but I don't know if they're going to go there. Um, but it would definitely, I don't know. You know, and maybe there is that tie-in between, you know, the young nun in this movie and the mm-hmm. nun and, you know, Warren. Yeah, you know, like maybe she, they are somehow related or something. Because and that's the setup like for a, the next like movie. A grand aunt or something. Yeah, something like that. Where they, because they do look very similar, mm-hmm. and they both are having visions that are, you know, their powers, if you will, seem very akin to each yes. other. So, um, and maybe that's you know, why, convenient. <laughs> why Valak is haunting the mm. Warrens, which would make sense. So, um, you know, and maybe right before they arrive to help 
Frenchie, you know, she takes out, you know, the nun and the priest. Maybe they're involved in that story and we just don't know it yet. So then you could do a whole, mm. you know, prequel to The Conjuring yet, sequel to I'll The Nun. something out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go see it. Whatever. <laughs> We're suckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I give it, I give it three and a half stars also. So, I mean, check it out though. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it's got something for, you know, every horror movie fan now. It's that kind of movie. Where I think every, if you're a fan of the genre, you'll get something out of this mm. movie. So I will say that. So, but moving on. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Um, we have a Twitch channel now. That's right. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, what is Twitch? It's it's similar to YouTube, but it's more, it's more focused on gaming. Like streaming, right? Yeah, streaming. Okay. Streaming, gaming, all that together. Um... I like video games as as, as no we've really before. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured, what a great way to add more video game content for our podcast. Yes, because right now we're kind of lacking. Yes. Um, so, but yeah. So, what were you streaming over the weekend? Uh, I streamed a little bit of Spider Man. I'm back five hours in so far. Uh, How do you like it? It is extremely fun. Uh, it is so the gameplay is so fluid. Um, Spider Man just bounces and goes through terrain like it's nothing parkour like crazy really okay parkour the swinging is beautiful it's it's so smooth and that's that's what just what makes it more fun is it user-friendly where it's really easy to do yeah it's it's like any other um kind of like like if you've played arkham Mm, it has that same kind of like oh dodge when you see this symbol come like his spider sense goes off dodge um Hit, 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 dodge. And then, of course, certain characters that are beefier have a little bit, like, you just do a special combo and that's it. Okay. okay. So it's not, like, super hard to get into, but, like, watching the animations of Spider-Man all of, all of a sudden sliding under someone's legs, shooting webs at someone, like, it's it's so Spider-Man, they so got it right, mm-hmm. that it's just amazing. Yeah, and especially, like, some of those gameplay, like, trailers, mm. I mean, I was like, man, this looks like it'd be really difficult to do. But you're saying it's pretty, like, simple. Oh, yeah. Like... It's it's still, I would say it's, like, um, a game that could be easily picked up by kids while also still being enjoyed by adults. And this this game's had a lot of hype, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, this is a, it's the first big title for Spider-Man in a long time. Okay, I was going to say, you know, like, is the Spider-Man series, like, huge gaming-wise? Or this is, like, you know... Like, they do Spider-Man games every once in a while, but it's not been, like, an open-world... Um, oh, so this is an open world type yes. deal. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Like, it's all of, like, the main island of New York. Okay. And it's, you, from, it's massive. They've got this great scale to the city. Everything. And you're interacting from the tops of these buildings all the way to the street. Wow. All right. And they have interactivity all over and there's tons of collectibles there's tons of little side missions you can do can you touch and, on that like the main storyline and all um so far and i think i've spoiled it for myself because i looked up all the suits in okay. the game and there's a suit that's specific towards the story all right but um so far where i'm at um miles not okay don't want to <laughs> so far where i'm at peter is um kind of just like in this weird limbo he he just got evicted wait did you just give us a spoiler is miles really in this game like are, are you really miles <laughs> miles is in the game okay all um, right you do get to play as him for a short bit for so far i don't know if there's more missions with him yet he's not spider-man yet 
Okay. So he doesn't have the abilities. Huh, um, that's interesting. Okay. You deal with, uh, they do this kind of origin story almost where it's his father dies after, um, you're in a mission where, uh, Miles' father helps Peter. Uh, Miles' father is a cop, so he helps mm-hmm. Peter uh, on a mission. And, um, Osborne, who is the, um, mayor at the time. Gives, Norman? Yeah. Okay. Gives, uh, him kind of a medal of honor. And during that moment, um, a team of terrorists come and attack that, uh, the mayor. Okay. And it blows up and his father is dead. But during that sequence, yeah. During wow. the sequence, okay. um, you're playing as Miles trying to get to your dad. But you're, you have, you have no powers. You have no powers. So you're just climbing over things and... Sounds heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I ended the stream there too, which was like, oh, that's kind of a dark point to stop at. But my father um, is dead. Yes. <laughs> and um, Peter tries to console him, but Peter, uh, but Miles is like, "You're just going to tell me what everyone else has already told me." Wow. You know, it was a very. I would not expect that like poignant like kind of moment. Mm-hmm. In... But up until that point, it'd been like you know classic Spider-Man joking around with all the villains type of stuff. So now, also, is the main villain really Mister Negative? Because that seems like everything that we've seen trailer wise, mm-hmm. it's been really focused on Mister Negative. Right now, um, even like the merchandise, I know they they're introduced mm-hmm. like figures just recently. Right now, it feels like Mister Negative and his gang will be kind of the main like villain gang but he's definitely working for someone else or he will be working for someone else and i do know who the main villain is at this point is not it, not because because i've is spoiled it for myself um but kingpin? i'm not telling you okay you <laughs> no can tune spoilers. into my you can tune into my twitch and you can find out later oh christian you'll tell me off mic i'll <laughs> <laughs> try to plug your shit for me <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, um, so I'll be getting back into it next Saturday, I think is when I'll be able to do it during the day. Uh, otherwise, Twitch-wise, I have a lot of games I'm covering this fall. Okay. In general, like um, tomorrow I'm going to be, well, technically today when this episode is released. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be playing Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and they have a blackout mode, which is called uh, is pretty much their battle royal mode. Um, it's just 100 people, one island. Just something Last chaos. Standing. All right. I'm terrible at it, so come watch me die a bunch. <laughs> I'm thinking of doing die. a um, what when it's the weekend, not during the week because I have to work. Uh-huh. Um, maybe doing a shot per death. Okay. So like blackout, blackout. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think that'd be a fun idea. But um, beyond that, um, there's a, there's several games coming out. There's Red Dead coming out next month. There's um, so this is going to be like Periscope. We're actually going to keep up with yes, it. Yes, we're going to keep up with this. I'll okay. be trying to do it every single week as much as possible. And we'll be letting people know when yes. it's going on and everything. And, you know, make sure you follow us, um, you know, on Twitch. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, you know, instead of making just snarky comments in the... Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he talking to Dr. Octopus on the phone? Like, what's going on? Like, during the game, like, because mm-hmm. I was watching... Obviously, I was so confused. I was like, why is Dr. Octopus like, why is he doing missions for Doc Ock? Very and confused. It's before he's Doc Ock. Which is just, it just seems like they kind of picked and chose, like, yes. continuity-wise where they're going. They have their own little like, It's definitely story their own on. story. It's not, like, based off of anything. It doesn't feel, like, is it like Spider-Man 2, like, kind of like Dr. Octopus? Because there is, a, like, in that, you know, movie, obviously, 
they're kind of, you know, I would say students. Yes. Like, okay. Teacher pupil mm. kind of deal going on. Um, Doc Ock, like, catches you in the middle of working on your suit. And um, he assumes that, pe- of course, everyone thinks Peter is... is working for is Spider-Man. Spider-Man yes. rather than being Spider-Man. So he's like, oh, I didn't know you were helping him make his suits, but that makes so much sense. And he immediately starts helping you make suits. Oh, really? So he starts giving you gadget ideas and different things. For the- That's how you get the main Such a bizarre choice game. for them to make. Mm-hmm. So do you think he's going to end up being a villain in this? I, I have a good feeling that... Okay, or at least see a sequel, origin. right? Yes. This game has been in the works for quite a while because I remember like a year ago, like seeing yeah, a like, couple. It's been uh, it was announced I think about two or three years ago. Wow! And then I'm just not finally... used to like you know yes. how the gaming <laughs> world works. Where you now just games, just tack on two teasers. more years to what a movie process would do. Yeah. Wow! I'm not that patient of a person. Mm. So <laughs> more power to you. Um, but yeah, so I'm still waiting on Insomniac to announce all their Avengers titles because that's the next big thing. Oh really? Mm. Is there like is there any like big time like Avenger games out there? Not really, but I'm hoping that this opens the doors. That seems weird. Because like right? the last few like games I can think of are really like they're either big MMOs where it's like you're playing online and you don't really have a lot of control or anything, or they're phone games or anything like that. Yeah. The last one I ever played was the Iron Man like movie game and that was garbage. You would think you it'd know? just be like printing money for them. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean with how big like the Avengers are right now, you would think that they would just naturally gravitate to I don't know. Disney's been slow to get to this get this going. Like we're making money anyway. We don't mm. need your gamer money. I would so. kind of hope it would stay with um, the Spider-Man game because, I mean, all the landmarks in New York are there. You have Doctor Strange's um, Sanctum. You have the Avengers Tower. That'd be cool. It's like, all... This is kind of a gateway exactly. to the bigger Marvel Universe. And then, you know, it kind of like spawns all these, you know. That would be great. I other think. franchises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is. And you said it's an open world kind of. So yeah. does he run into other heroes a lot? Um, I haven't run into other heroes yet. But... Okay. All right, besides Miles. Exactly, besides right Miles. Now. Wow. All right, well, that sounds... I'm hoping there's a point where we might actually see, like, the full... I have, I have a feeling you'll see someone. You're going to run into someone. Um, but, yeah, all right, well, it sounds like, you know, something that's definitely worthy of following yes. you on Twitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> even I, I'm, I'm not a gamer at all, but I want to know where the story's going. Mm. So, especially with that moment between Miles and Peter, Jesus. <laughs> it was dark. Do you know, is it um, written by anyone? Is this Because I know, like, before the Spider-Man game, one of the Spider-Man games was actually written by Bendis. Um, I believe the Ultimate Spider-Man game, which I actually played, surprisingly. Uh, I'm not sure if it's written by anyone. Because a lot of times they will get the creators, you know, um, the writers of Marvel to, like, come up with the scripts and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone worked on it. Um Christos Gage, does that ring any bells too? It doesn't, but that doesn't mean it's not someone. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, all right, man. Yeah, so follow Christian on Twitch. Um, and you said tomorrow, right, is when you're going to be, or really today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Today, so, I mean, um, if you go on our Twitch page, you can see our schedule. I'll be updating it um, regularly for when I'll be on the next time. So Awesome. And we'll be definitely posting, you mm-hmm. know, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, you know giving everyone updates yes. so of your schedule. So, but yeah. All right. Moving on to comics. On to comics. Uh, we had Captain America this week. 
That's right, issue number three. I will go ahead and read the little blurb. This is part of the Winter in America storyline. Cap and the Black Panther embark on a daring raid into the heart of the Nuke Army while Sharon Carter takes on a secret mission into danger. I think we're going to say it every single time this book is, comes up. Why wasn't this what you started <laughs> with? Um, I absolutely love the conversation that Cap has when he's sitting there talking to the guy who like, you know, struggled with his family all these years and then Hydra comes in and pretty much saves the day. I thought that was painting the perfect picture of what this like, you know, Marvel world looks mm. like after Secret Empire. Um, like you said, why wasn't this done right afterward? Like I was so like I thought that was such a great moment, and it felt so real. Um, it, it, it like logically, I was like, okay, well this this makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. If you you know, yes, it was a hostile takeover, but at the same time, if they you know you're struggling and you're you know and like you know middle America and you're at this point where you're trying to just make ends meet, living paycheck paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, your government gets overthrown, but they make everything better. <laughs> you know, these Nazi bastards. Mm. Um, you know, you could see where that dilemma comes in for some of these people. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, like, poignant moment between those two. Um, you know, and it really, you know, I, I don't know. It, I want to see more. Of those kind of moments you know in this book and i feel like we're gonna get them mm-hmm. you know now this book i think we kind of when we reviewed the last issue our fear was it was going to just be all moments like this because i feel like last issue was really like him talking to sharon yes and their, that you know. whole book was just him talking to but sharon I, and like i said if this is going to be because once again like we did get that moment and I, but it was the perfect setup to mm-hmm. what we got next because the rest of the book is just straight up action you know you get captain working with black panther and okoye mm. um you know trying to um bust this nuke cell um which it's crazy it's even a thing <laughs> um that we find out is underneath the city that this guy is like praising pretty much yes yes and um there's somehow like the i guess the person who's like running it is a threat also to T'Challa. Like, they're trying to... like Because yes, at first, I was like, why. where's Black Panther coming down this? Mm. But I was like, did I miss something? But I guess, like, he's, like, I don't know, trying to, you know, fuck with Wakanda somehow, or I don't know. But so it's got Panther involved, mm. regardless. Um, I loved the dynamic between the three characters. And I was like, I really hope they become like part of his like supporting cast. Like I want to see more mm-hmm. and maybe I should just pick up the black Panther comic book, which I don't know why I'm not reading it at mm-hmm. this point, but I really enjoyed that dynamic between those characters. And just when they do get to like the, this little cell, I mean, not little, like there's like hundreds of nukes or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, just the action is just fantastic. I mean, the writer and the artist really know how to do um, action well. So it's kind of cool that you have that balance where you get that opening scene, you know, where it's literally like two guys sitting at a bar, you know, one of them telling a story through flashbacks and everything. And then you get like, you know, this insane scene yes. where they're, you know, doing a raid with all this army of nukes. I also liked the dilemma, though. Yes, that that's Captain what I was America's the story is still yes 
um, through that. He is, you know, sitting there and he's racked with guilt because the soldiers are all brainwashed um, and part of this program. These are all soldiers who, you know, fought on the side, you know, of America um, during the whole Hydra, you know, takeover and now have been like brainwashed and like been forced into this program. Um, but they're kind of, you know, just left with no other resource but to take them out. There's nothing they can do. And we, we do find out that, you know, these soldiers are dropping after a couple of mm. days. So, I mean, they're going to die regardless. But you see that Cap is, like, just riddled with guilt, mm. you know, through the whole thing. And also Black Panther had found a way to speed up the process. Yes. As well. <laughs> yes, because that's what Black Panther does. <laughs> um, but especially if you think of the aspect of, like, He's bla- like the fact that they even had to go into service mm-hmm. to fight off Hydra is because of him in a roundabout way, you know. So all of this is his fault in a way, you know. I mean, not really, but he's going to blame it on himself regardless. So it is a really, really mm-hmm. heavy, you know, moment. There's a lot of moral dilemmas that's going on because he also asked a question, you know, what's the nation that he was fighting for beforehand and what what they were doing to the people and how a group like Hydra could come in and make them feel this way, feel this. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's like, well, who am I serving, mm-hmm. you know? And to what point, like what, you know, here we have Hydra actually working for, it feels like we've been brainwashed by Hydra, but working, <laughs> <laughs> actually working for mm-hmm. the people and giving them better quality lives. But then at the same time, you know, they don't necessarily have the freedom, you mm. know, even though they might be miserable in it, um, that they do with, you know, the government beforehand. So, yeah, you do see that, mm. like, dilemma. But there's a good Cap. moment where Cap is like, I shouldn't even be surprised anymore that these evil things are happening, could be happening in my government. Because he finds out that it is somehow tied to someone in mm. the government, this program and everything. What's the name of the corporation that they keep on talking uh, about? Is it Power? power enterprises right um they've kind of filled the vacuum that hydra's left Mm -hmm. it seems like um and they're still picking up the pieces and supporting these small towns um it seems like they're trying to basically build like a grassroots hydra uh, is what i got Mm -hmm. out of it um you know and i mean you almost can't blame the people for falling for it um but yeah so we also, we started the issue with Sharon Carter, actually, and she's on a mission oh, yes. going somewhere. We don't know why. I, it was co- I was completely thrown out. The one character that's, like, driving the car, like, right away, I thought Simon Pegg. Oh. Did you get that? Like, <laughs> I didn't. But... I was like, I don't know if the artist was watching, like, mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead or something, but I was like, this totally looks like Simon Pegg to me. Um, but, yeah. So she's basically, you know, being driven somewhere in a town to investigate, mm. you know, what's been going on. Um, it's a town that she's very familiar with. Yes, yes. And these guys are trying to take her a different route. And right away, you see Agent 13 go into action. Mm. She's a fucking mess. Even though she's an elderly lady now, she takes these guys out pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, that's the opening of the book. But the end of the book ends up with, you know, her... Um, being confronted by Selene. So, um, you know, who, like, devours, you know, or is about to devour, you know, Simon Pegg's um, um, so so she can feed, mm-hmm. she says. So, um, yeah, so we're kind of trying to figure out, like, 
you know, it seems like they might be, Celine might be part, like, behind mm. the whole enterprise that's filling that vacuum right now. Um, you know, that's just speculation on my part. They kind of teased that, though, I felt. So I'm, I'm not quite sure where they're going, but I like that there's a little bit of a mystery yes. going on, too. But, I mean, really well-done book with, like, a lot of, you know, deep, introspective, like, threads running throughout that would have been nice directly yes. after Secret Empire. You know, this is the Captain America book that we needed after Secret Empire, but we didn't get. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that we're getting mm-hmm. it at all. Because we really felt like they're just going to sweep this under the rug and, you know, not that's really they, talk about they it. They let it. And that's, that. yeah, really. But, I mean, now we're at least getting mm-hmm. something. Um, so, I, I think that's really cool. I feel like this will come out to be a very powerful volume whenever it finishes. Yes, so. yes. Who is this? What's the writer on this? Um, I have Coates. Okay, okay. I'm not familiar with anything else that he's doing. And uh, Francis Yu, who I am definitely familiar with uh, their artwork. So, um, and it is, like I said, the action scenes are just, mm. I mean, off the wall crazy. So, but yeah, yeah, um, well done. And like I said, anytime you can get Black Panther in your book, <laughs> more power <laughs> to you. More Black Panther, please. So, um, moving on. Oh, yes, we had Astonishing X-Men number 15. Uh, After the events of last issue, Havoc and his team are on the run from the law, plus the Reavers' secret mission is revealed. So the X-Men take a bus. Yeah. (laughs) Not too happy about. Yeah, which I, I don't... I don't get, but okay. I mean, this book is definitely more comedic in tone Hmm. um, than I was expecting. Um, At the same time, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I enjoyed... Well, at first I was pissed. Like, I thought there's this reveal, and it's a false reveal. We find out that Havoc might have put together this team to protect him. Like, Hmm. the reason why this, you know, cell of, you know, Reavers or government-funded Reavers are coming after him is because something that, um, was it Mrs. Sinister? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, implanted in him. So that seems to be the reason why they're coming after him. Like, they're, and he's basically saying, yeah, they have a list, but it's really because of what's inside of me. Um, you know, and luckily because i was like oh that's that it just felt off character for me havoc's a fuck up but he's not that much of a fuck up he's not a total douchebag and it would erase like kind of everything that we've built to this point yes yes you know i mean yeah we're only a couple issues in but yeah i mean it just would make him i don't know i just i don't know if i could follow the book anymore like he would have to be Mm. it almost make him feel like unredeemable so um but yeah it, it just I don't know, that kind of caught me off guard, but luckily we find out. We have a, a really cool moment between Warpath and Havoc at the bar, where Warpath basically the follows... The villain's bar, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. The bar <laughs> with no fun. name, which is a classic <laughs> Marvel bar. So um, I, I thought that was really cool that they brought that bar back. So, uh, yeah, and Havoc is obviously welcomed in there because he was a villain just a couple months ago, mm. uh, which I still hate. <laughs> with every fiber of my being. Stupid inversions. So, but yes. So, Warpath confronts him and everything and basically says, you're an awful liar. You know, I you tell me the truth. I know that's not the real reason why, you know. 
um, and then Havoc kind of like goes through, goes through his spiel and he's basically trying to protect you know everyone. He doesn't want anyone to get hurt because of the stupid mistakes mm. that he's made in the past. Now, it's not his fault that he went through the inversion though. He was just kind of caught in it. And yeah, you know, he did these horrible things, but he still wasn't himself. So I don't know. I still don't understand why everyone's so unforgiving <laughs> towards him. Um, but forgave they, I mean, they, they fucking forgave Sabretooth and Magneto <laughs> for crying out loud. But anyway. On a regular basis. Yes, over Magneto. and over again. And Magneto once again is a villain. Uh, whatever. But so, you know, I thought it was really cool hearing James talk about why he's sticking with Havoc now. Because um, Havoc is like, you don't need to be here anymore. You know, you can go back to, you know, Kitty you know, and give her your report because he's there to babysit, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, no, I, you know, your brother meant a lot to me. And then he kind of goes through this whole spiel about, like, Cyclops and, you know, what he taught him and, you know, how he gave him a mission in life and a reason um, for, you know, being a superhero, basically, and being an X-Men. Um, I thought that was a really cool, unexpected moment. Mm-hmm. I did not see that happening in this book. And it really kind of fleshed out, you know, Warpath's character, which is just, I'm a huge fan of Warpath, but he's completely underutilized um, in all the X-Books. So I'm glad that he's getting a little bit of the spotlight right now. Um, But yeah, so I really enjoyed that moment. Um, But I don't know if there's Uh, anything else that you... While this is going on, um, the other members are being detained by yes, yeah, some government group mm. and they um oh oh that's right they they're kind of right they're all captured, but then we find out that the reavers aren't really the reavers are contained also by some government group, the same group that has the X Men right mm-hmm. who are trying to use their technology but failing miserably yes. at the same time. Pierce Donald Pierce is not really cooperating with them. So, um, so you kind of figure out exactly what's going on, um, you know, and I, I, I guess they're the ones who are really tracking, you know, Havoc at this point, you know, um, so I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's definitely, you know, kind of the middle of the arc right now, mm-hmm. but you know, I, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, issue 16. I wouldn't mind a character redesign for Havoc at this point. I, I hate his costume. Oh, that the classic eighties costume. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, no, the classic, like, 70s guy. Yeah, it, it is awful. He's had, <laughs> he's gone through so many different uniforms, though. I'm surprised that they put him back in this mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, and I don't know when his face got healed, because he also had, like, hideous scars for a while. So they must have, I mean, mm-hmm. comics, you yes. know, it's an easy fix. I'm sure the X-Men have a couple healers on their team. But, yeah, 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 I, I, I don't know. I, I'm nostalgic for the costume just because it's, like, he was wearing that in the first, mm-hmm. literally the first X Men book that I picked up, so I'm okay with it. But yeah, it is it is a horrible costume. <laughs> <laughs> it is a horrible costume. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much Astonishing X Men number fifteen. Um, onward yes. to the Avengers number seven. Oh, is it me? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You, I mean, I'll read this one. I'll leave. No, it I'll read it. I'll read now. Whatever. I'll oh, leave fuck you that. Justice League. I will not read Justice League. We know <laughs> whoever's writing the blurbs for Justice League's on crack, so I'm not doing that. Uh, all right. 
So Avengers number seven. Uh, if you thought you knew the beginnings of the Marvel Universe, you were wrong. Odin and his prehistoric Avengers represent a period of Marvel's history that's never been explored. The exploration begins uh, this issue with the origin of the very first Ghost Rider, one who rides a flaming woolly mammoth. That's right, folks, a flaming woolly mammoth uh, and battles a savage and familiar foe. Eh, it was okay. I think... I would have liked this better if it was mixed in with whatever the Avengers are up to now. Yes, it was very much a standalone story, yes. um, especially after the epic story that we got, you know, last arc. So it kind of was a little off-putting that we are just like telling the standalone story mm -hmm. and just about this prehistoric Ghost Rider. Um, I wasn't necessarily a fan of like, okay, this is where the Ghost Rider lineage starts, like here. Um, and it's basically, you know, this Neanderthal kid or kid. Uh, I don't anything, know. Which... He's just kind of like the step he's, of evolution he's, yes. in his group of He's cavemen. like the missing link, like, you mm. know, where he's more intelligent than the rest of his tribe. But it doesn't explain he how he understands too language. much. Well, he's obviously somehow blessed, you know, um, and it seems like there's others out there like him. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a character show up in the cave who we don't know um, at the at, at that point who he is, but he shows up and he also is, you know, conscious of what's going on and he seems to be, you know, on par with, you know, um, and I don't even know if they gave him a name. Did they give the character a name in this? I think it's just... Yes, it's, it's that... Well, he calls him Ghost. Oh, no, no. Oh, you're talking about the main guy? Yeah, they just call him Ghost. Yeah, they call him Ghost. Um, but yeah, he call, they call him Ghost. Um, and he basically, the guy who seems friendly at first, slaughters his whole mm. tribe. So then Ghost is like, you know, he's, he's oh, he abandons him, right, in the snow or something like that. Ghost runs into a snake who happens to be um, Mephisto. Mephisto yeah. And Mephisto gives him the power of the Ghost Rider. Right. What was the? Was there any real reasoning behind it? No. If anything, that's like the creation of that spirit as well, mm -hmm. which I just thought was odd, but it's fine. Yeah. 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 That. That. Yeah. I was, if they do something more with it in the future, I'm fine with it. But it was just like, and it seems like there's going to be more stories like that, which I don't know. It seems like we're going to get more mm. origin stories like this. I know next issue we're back with the Avengers, which I, I'm glad about. I was like, are we going to get like just all like prehistoric Avengers like back to back? You know, is that this arc, um, which I would have necessarily been a fan of, but because I was like, what is this leading to? Mm. So, but no, we're back with the team the next issue. So maybe like every couple issues, you're going to get another story with like the BC Avengers um, explaining their origins. So, but yeah, so he ends up getting these powers he gets a flaming woolly mammoth, and then he confronts, you know, the killer of his tribe, mm. who ends up being Wendigo. Um, so, um, and somehow part of the lineage of, you know, who the Wendigo is now. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it, it was like, because at first I was like, is this fucking like Sabretooth? Is this like, because <laughs> even the way they draw him at that. one point, he looks like Sabretooth. No, that. no. And I would think that'd be like some ancestor, obviously, of mm. Sabretooth. But still, I was like, is this somehow tied in? Um, you know, but it seems like they're really going to lay out 
like this like prehistoric Marvel universe for you where you're going to get like this is where all the mystical creatures come from you know this is their roots um it could be interesting like I, I was when they introduced the um DC Avengers in that legacy book I was surprisingly like intrigued by them where mm. at first just seeing all the solicitations for them I was like oh what the fuck is this shit um so but I actually enjoyed that little story um I just don't know if I want to waste multiple issues on telling, you know, their origins. Yeah. So, like, I, like, I think it would be, like, if it was mixed in with, you know, a present narrative, I would have been okay with mm-hmm. it more. But, yeah, if it's just standalone stories like this, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of it. So that doesn't do anything to push your main narrative. No, and maybe they're only telling the ghostwriter narrative since, be, you know, that origin because, you know now we've got Ghost Rider on the team and mm-hmm. he's going to be such a major part of the team, it seems like. So maybe that's why we're focusing on that character. Um, you know, because then at the end of this issue, after, you know, he loses his uh, his woolly mammoth um, to Wendigo, uh, Odin and the Phoenix show up and are recruiting him, basically, um, for whatever their mission, which I'm sure is to fight the Celestials. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. You know, I, I maybe I was expecting more from the origin. Yeah, like maybe a little more darker and make exactly make it seem like these are people he really cares about too. Because they apparently like at any moment they would have turned on him if he had like shown his intelligence. That doesn't make me feel like he wants to really get vengeance mm-hmm. for these people. I, I agree don't see with that. that becoming a spirit of vengeance over the clan that he was a part Yeah, because it does feel like he almost, I don't know, pities them, and yes. he, he, you don't feel like a kinship between, you know, mm-hmm. him and his tribe at all. So, um, yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um, but, yeah, so, but, I don't know, I don't know, I'm excited to get, you know, back with the team mm-hmm. in the next issue. I will say that. All right, and moving on, last but not least. <sighs> Justice League, <laughs> number seven. <laughs> I, I'm only sighing because of the blurbs. Okay. Nothing, no other reason. Okay. It's wall to source wall. Justice League action as... God damn it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. It's wall to source wall. Justice League action as artist Chung... Jim... Chung? Chung. Chung? Okay. I believe so. Rejoins writer Scott Snyder. Hawkgirl takes wings... Takes wing against Legion of Doom leader Lex Luthor. John Stewart faces off with old foe Sinestro. The Flash must run down the Still Force empowered Gorilla Grunt. And Wonder Woman tackles the tag team of Black Manta and Cheetah underwater, no less. Okay. Um, no, that's not the story. Yes. But uh, interesting. What um, watching. The Flash really tried to like force himself to slow to down, stay still, yeah, <laughs> to control every molecule in his body to stop moving. Um, so <laughs> I felt lost again. You know, like it's kind of what we were running into, where like that last issue is just like a whole lot of stuff kind of crammed mm-hmm. into like you know how many ever pay like twenty. This was twenty eight pages. Yeah. So they, this was a little bit of a bigger issue. Because um, there's also, which is not necessarily a good thing, where I kept on felt like the story was going to end, and then it just kept on going. 
correct? Mm. Did you have that same yes. experience? I was like, oh, this is the end of the book. I look up the page number. No, it's not. No. Oh, my uh. gosh. There's, there's eight <laughs> more pages left. Um, but, yeah. So, it feels like the villains are pretty easily defeated after, you know, all the buildup and almost impossible odds against the team. I know they kind of, you know, I don't know, built up the league like that they're, you know at their best at this point Mm. they're all kind of facing their you know weaknesses and you know ready for triumph but i don't know if it felt necessarily earned in this issue if that makes sense Mm. but there's still some cool scenes in here um but overall it did feel kind of like everything that we complained about with a lot of snyder's recent work i enjoyed hot girls moments i thought that was kind of cool. I, I liked Lex, you know, bringing up the attention that you know, she's a being that's been throughout time and maybe there's some kind of connection she has to the totality and why I would choose her over him. And mm-hmm. there's, I thought that brought a lot of attention and a lot of awesome moments for her, but the rest of it was all just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, d- I will say I enjoyed... Hold on. Pause. What was, like... Did they show Batman get into that suit? Uh, the issue the special before? suit that's like helping him heal, where he's like, I can't even turn. Like, I uh, can't. Did they I show know. like where they was the suit before when he broke I his back? Know. When Bane broke his back? Because <laughs> I was like, really? So he's gonna be totally like back to normal next issue, probably. Oh yeah, I guess. Okay, because those are some serious injuries that he took. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> I have no idea, dude. I, like I said, I was completely, I just got lost at points. I was like, okay, he's fighting Sinestro again. They kind of set up the White Lanterns, like, showing up, but then they didn't really show up. And then oh, he, yeah. John they got... Were, they were, tra- like, on their way. Yes, and then John got another ring. Um, the ring shows up later like he like wills it after wills. yes and i don't know like and he even doesn't understand why what that ring is right because yes. i was like is that another green lantern ring right. is that... it gave him green power yes so that's why i was kind of like i thought it was going to be a white lantern ring i was like okay well that makes sense with yes. what was set up last issue um but apparently not nope. so um i i don't know i don't i don't know how to feel like i felt like overall this arc was entertaining i do feel like the ending was disappointing though Mm. um it just seems like snyder has a hard time sticking his landings if you will um yeah and once again i just feel like he's just i don't need i don't need you to put a bow on everything you can leave some things open um, you could argue that he did leave plenty of things open in the story. I don't know. Like I don't like. I felt like they kind of like okay, hey, everything that happened with John in the beginning with uh, Martian Manhunter, you know, they kind of tied all that up. That is true. That you know, and I felt like waste. that was going to be like a huge mm. thread throughout you know this series, but I guess not. Um, you know, it, it just I don't know. I was expecting maybe more, mm. you know, and I was expecting this to yeah. Like, maybe, like, this being more of, like, volume one of an arc. Exactly. You know, that's what I was kind of... But this kind of, like, kind of put a bow on this whole, you know, arc. Where I don't know necessarily where they're going. So, now, basically, the Justice League has the totality. 
yes with them and they're going to explore exactly what it seems like it is like yes. try to figure out what it is and even keep though, it safe yeah even though they like doesn't the flash see that it has an evil plan for the world, the universe. Yes, and he, is he letting people know though? He hasn't said anything. He said, "Okay, okay." Well, that's interesting, um, and we'll see. You know, because it kind of, you know, it makes it sound like he can kind of understand why Luthor went the route that he did. Mm-hmm. So, like, are we possibly getting like, you know, to mix terminologies, a heel turn from the Flash, where he's like almost driven mad? By what he's seen. I doubt it, but I thought that could be interesting. Could, and this is massive just speculation, could you see this becoming almost similar to uh, the universe we saw in Flashpoint? Because I started to see little ties, especially with um, Aquaman, you know, flirting with Wonder Woman in this. And you kind of getting there did right. It mm. did feel like they shared like a moment, right? If you see this grand plan for the universe, maybe being more similar to the Flashpoint universe, it'd be kind of interesting. But right now, I don't even know where they are continuity wise. I mm-hmm. think it's just all a mess, um, and I think that's part of where they're headed. You know, kind of streamlining everything again because I feel like it's just all over the place so maybe you are going to get like you know um you know just kind of like starter points from other like and this is know, all still universes. supposed to be before doomsday clock well right? that's another thing i want to bring up do you think what lex is seeing in that blue light is dr uh, manhattan ah uh, i didn't even think about that do you think that's how it kind of ties into everything and that obviously is speculation <laughs> but like i wouldn't mind that you know, maybe the totality is, you know, somehow part of Dr. Manhattan and maybe that's what's going mm-hmm. on here. And then where we end up in, you know, uh, Doomsday Clock is, you know, everything that happens after this. Like, you know, that's the universe we're left with. Because mm-hmm. I still don't understand how it's all going to tie in, especially since it's supposed to take place in the future. And it feels like such a different DC mm-hmm. in that book. Um, you know, much darker DC. Yes, and we've heroes. kind of seen that now, like they're moving towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I There's lots of seeds that he planted here um, that could lead to some great stories. But overall, this arc just was disappointing, mm-hmm. just the way he ended it. There's lots of great moments in this, though, that well, it I just, enjoyed. It but, started off like... Snyder's early Batman work mm-hmm. and then it quickly just wrapped it all up and it didn't make sense to why he would do it that way I agree I agree We're I mean unless it's just a scheduling conflict and that's they're just trying to pick up the pieces to get to that point like they have a lot of story to tell maybe yeah and I mean like but, I said, this was a larger issue and I felt like he probably needed at least two to three issues more to like wrap this up but they mm-hmm. had to you know, do within 28 pages, which isn't easy. Um, and I, I just, I didn't feel like it needed everything to be wrapped up. I mean, I get it, but it just, I don't know, they're on such a path of destruction and they're facing such, you know, insane odds mm. that it felt very, I don't know, contrived and convenient, like the way they kind of just, you know, figured everything out so quickly, um, you know, in like one five minute meeting 
you know, with the Justice League. They're kind of like, okay, you do this, you do this, and that's all. Okay, we're good. (laughs) Break. And they go ahead and they do it in the next issue. So, but, I mean, it's comics, I guess. Mm. But, I mean, there's just a way that you can really flesh out a story where, you know, you can breathe a little. And that's the problem, like, with, I feel like the last, you know, issues in a lot of Snyder's arcs lately, there's no room to breathe in between panels. So I don't know. I don't know. I was a little disappointed, but I'm I'm still excited to see where he takes this. It seems mm-hmm. like he's got a game plan. Like you know, he's got something in store. You know, yeah, we still know what's coming for Wonder Woman or for Aquaman in the future. Yeah, yeah, and they tease that mm-hmm. times. So yeah, I have no clue where he's going. No clue whatsoever. So I wouldn't be surprised by anything though, honestly. So and then we, we have Evil Bat Joker. Yes, at the end of the book, um, it shows Luthor is, you know, bringing him back. So um, I don't quite understand exactly what, why to, you know, help him. I guess he thinks that his input will help. I don't, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, he's. he's That is a dangerous force. That is, but like, why would Luthor think he can troll him? But I don't know. Doesn't seem like a logical move for Luthor, you know, but, you know, it well, feels again, like... he's had his future torn literally right from in his, front of his... Yes, yeah, Right yes. from his grasp. Yeah, so he's a desperate man at this mm. point, so... All right, all right. We'll see hey, man, this goes. I'm, we're excited to see the character again, yes. so he was probably the best thing that came out of metal. Mm-hmm. So, but. All right, man, that, is that going to do it for comics? That's going to do it for comics this week. We have to move on now to Hell in a Cell. Have you heard of the classic original show? Well, this is it. Hey there, it's Sean from Timmins, Ontario, Canada. Greetings, Seamus from Michigan City, Indiana. Hi, Sean Vanderloo here. I'm the host of the Rusted Robot Podcast and the Soul Forge Podcast. Hey guys, it's Seamus. I host Chewed Gum, Tuesdays with Mary, MMA Pit Podcast, Crime and Movies, and a bunch of other stuff. It's the classic original show. This show is a comedy featuring Sean and Seamus. Canada meets Indiana. Tune in for a good laugh at dramacityproductions.com, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soon to be iTunes. Drop those iTunes reviews, guys. We're going to be here all the time. Thank you! My name is Boris, and I am your Russian lover. I am Russian, but I am in no hurry. All right, so we have the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this weekend. And we're not going to be actually recapping Raw or SmackDown. We figure we just kind of do it while we preview Hell in a Cell. I mean, it's the go-home week. It's pretty much them saying, so the matches. Yes. Please watch them. Yes, so it makes (laughs) sense. Um, But all right. And this is not in any kind of order whatsoever. Mm. I don't believe there's been any other matches announced. I pulled this up last night, and we watched SmackDown just like an hour ago, and I didn't hear any other announce uh, announced matches. So, starting off, we've got uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, and I'm I'm guessing it is pre-show bound. Yes, and the reason I say this is because it's New Day versus. Rusev Day. <laughs> Machka. Um, I was really disappointed that the Bar did not win that match. So, I mean, they must be really trying to, like, keep Rusev happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if being on the pre-show is going to really be keeping him happy, but I don't know. I- I'm kind of done. Like, I just feel like the Bar's just been there, and they've been completely 
completely wasted on SmackDown okay. right now. So from where they were at with Raw to now, I mean, just seems ridiculous to me. So I'm sure they'll probably be the next to contain for that title, but I don't know. I, I don't really have any interest in this match yes. whatsoever. Um, I, I'm waiting, still waiting for Rusev or Aiden English to turn at all right. this point. So predictions for the match, Christian. Um, New Day definitely wins. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's because of Aiden or if it's because of Lana. How would you book it? I would have it be a pin, uh, like a clean pin over Aiden, and then Rusev goes nuts. Okay. And just beats the hell out of Aiden. So you put Rusev. Rusev in the heel role? Yes. Yeah, I think that's where he's, you know, I mean, I know right will, now he's over with the fans, mm, but I feel like that's where he's best served as a heel. Will Aiden be able to hold on and survive as the face in this kind of feud? No. no but he'll just be cannon fodder for Rusev, mm, you know, to set him up as, you know, a monster heel again. So, but I, I like that booking. I agree with you. I feel like New Day probably wins this very easily. I feel like it might be a case of Aiden, like, somehow costing the match, either by taking the pin or doing something that, you know, causes Rusev to get the pin. But I definitely feel like New Day is going over here. And then, yes, finally, because I feel like this has been teased for months now, we have the breakup of mm. Rusev Day. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a pre-show match. And, and we get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we have another month of waiting for them to finally just, you know, be done Maybe. with this. Um, and then we could focus on actual tag teams. But anyway, I mean, the club's not even on the show again. Um, I'm trying to think Sanity is nowhere near the show mm -hmm. again. But whatever. <laughs> um, next, we have the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre are newly crowned champions of just like two weeks ago mm. versus The Shield, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. A lot of dogs. Yes. Hold on. We got the Dogs of War, <laughs> which we found out seems like the name they might be going mm. with, and the Hounds of Justice. Um, predictions, Christian. Um, my gut says that the Shield will just sweep at this pay-per-view mm. and we'll have um, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose win. Okay. Okay. Um, how would you book it? Um, what, what's my dream booking or how what, do I see? No, no, no. Your dream booking. If oh. you were to book. Um, I'd probably... I'd probably have um, Rollins and Ambrose win clean over Ziggler and have McIntyre turn on Ziggler. Oh, finally. Because okay. I want McIntyre in a singles role going after the... And you want him as a heel. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, for me, I would have Dolph and McIntyre go over. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also, you know, I, you know, that way they keep their heat. Um, th their little stable's only two, three weeks old. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you do have a sweep like that, you totally just destroy, you know, any momentum they have. Now, I wouldn't put it past the yeah. WWE, um, but I just feel like that'd be a horrible book. And at least stretch the stable out a couple months and get something out of it. Um, but for me, that would be the booking, mm. um, you know, and I do think that's what they're going to go with. So I feel like there's a big chance that's going to be um, all of them. Standing tall. Oh, the 
The Dogs of War. Dogs of War. <laughs> so you're buying the shirt. Um, <laughs> not buying the shirt. You're buying the shirt. <laughs> well, I'm buying it for you. Mm. So okay, the Dogs of War. You feel like there's a chance that it actually could be the opposite. Yes, the opposite of what I'm saying, but at the same time, I have very low hopes for them actually doing something. Pulling the trigger on something like that. Especially after Reigns just won that belt Mm. a month ago after chasing it for so long. I I could see where Ziggler and McIntyre, you know, retain their belts, but then, you know, and we'll get there. Maybe, you know. I mean, I see a a Shield versus the World storyline. Where it's not just Roman now versus everyone. It's the Shield versus everyone. Yeah. I still don't think it's getting Roman over, though. He's it's still, not. When he's not standing next to those guys, he's getting booed still. So it's just, that just them trying to camouflage their problems, mm. honestly. But whatever. <laughs> I'm over it at this point. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm saying Dolph and Drew go over here. You know, I mean, due to hijinks, obviously. But I do feel like they're going to go over. Um, just so they have still have some momentum. And God, they're I think they're already booked in a match for the fucking Australian, you know, event. So, you know, they need to... It really feels like with that event only a couple weeks away, it just feels like they've, you know, I don't know, almost... Is it is it going to be like two weeks after this? Is it's October it 6th. So it's like maybe three or four mm-hmm. weeks. It's like a month later. So, um, but yeah, yeah, like three weeks later. It, it just feels like it's really taking the steam out of this pay-per-view, mm-hmm. though. Especially since they're announcing a lot of those matches. And they are they seem to be all rematches of this card. So we know that things aren't going to be settled. Mm-hmm. We know that, you know, the storyline is going to continue. So, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just kind of, I don't know, squashes this pay-per-view for me. But uh, next up, we have Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. Versus the Miz and Maurice. Um, I mean, we'll see good competition from Brian and Miz, for sure. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I feel like my prediction is that Miz and Maurice go over. I think they're going to... Daniel Bryan's going to be chasing after the Miz Mm -hmm. um, for a while. And you're going to have Miz just kind of, you know, getting these bragging rights, snowballing, and just getting so intense that you just are dying to see Brian finally win against The Miz. Um, I don't know what it'll lead to or when it'll happen, but I think that's what you're going to get, is just, you know, Daniel chasing after The Miz. I thought the way they ended SmackDown tonight was perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where... Fucking Miz grabs Bree like she's at Bree's in a match with Maurice, and then Miz grabs Bree's ankle and pulls her out of the ring, and she falls flat like hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I was like whoa, and Brian ran around and beat the shit out of him. You could feel the crowd was into it too. It's like you need to see that intensity, you mm-hmm. know. Some and there was another moment where he ends up causing Brian to slam into Bree. So I think you're gonna get more of that kind of stuff, just building heat on Miz. Because mm-hmm. um, right now I felt like, especially that first match, I felt like the crowd was really almost fifty fifty. And I know that was a Brooklyn crowd and everything, and they just, they loved The Miz over there, but it did feel like, you know, Daniel kind of lost, you know, something um, in that first match crowd-wise. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I do feel like you're going to get The Miz going over um, and this whole, you know, program continuing. Yeah, I very much think that they want to have Brian in that kind of, 
It's not it's not the same as an underdog, but you have him in this lower position. Yeah. Yes. Chase. Yes, mm-hmm. he's chasing his, you know, something that like everyone kind of felt like, oh, he'll just destroy him once he gets his hands on him. But you've got him continuing chasing mm-hmm. after Miz. So and maybe it ends up with, you know, like I, I think I was saying fantasy booking wise where Miz somehow ends up getting his hands on a title and you get, you know, Daniel Bryan finally getting his match with Miz as the champion. Um, I think that would be cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're capable of that kind of long-term no. booking. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll be surprised if this is still going after Survivor Series. At this point. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I could see them taking a breather, though, and coming back to it, too, mm-hmm. if they have enough heat around it. Um, all right, so uh, speaking of heat or lack of, the next match we have is Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton in a Hell in the Cell. Uh, it's it's a spot match. Yeah, I really, <laughs> you know, it sucks because I felt like this whole angle started off on the right foot. I love seeing the viciousness I was getting from Randy Orton, um, and then I don't know what happened. It like lost its way at some point. I don't know when. I don't know if it was when he got in trouble and there was a whole controversy where they kind of had to take a couple weeks off. It felt mm-hmm. like. But it really just like lost its momentum, and now I don't. I just don't feel like this match warrants a Hell in a Cell match. It really just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like things are personal enough. I know he keeps on putting his fucking finger through his ear hole, but I don't know if that really <laughs> says Hell in a Cell to me. I just feel it feels like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles belong yes. in this match here. They have so much more intensity right now. Yes, yes. There's. You know, that's the program where there's definitely a lot more, you know, more of a grudge match going on Mm -hmm. between the two guys. You know, there's something there. But I don't know. This match has been, I don't, this whole program has been booked very light for me. Like, I I still don't, I know Orton's trying to take out, you know, the fans like heroes. But he hasn't been on the mic much lately. Mm -hmm. So I think we kind of lost that. Um, with this angle, you know, and maybe like this week, instead of him interfering in a match, you know, with Hardy and Nakamura, they should have had him do some more mic work to kind of lay the groundwork of why we care about this match. You know, or maybe after he interferes, but I don't know. I'm, I just, I, I feel like it's the same thing. I know Hardy wanted to be in the helm cell like really badly. So maybe this is just the, the WWE granting, you know, his wish for him. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I see Hardy possibly killing himself in this match, though. Which is I feel like we're gonna get an immediate climb up the cage, like entrance. Yes, yes. I don't know. Randy doesn't like to work that style, though. Um, so maybe, yeah, yeah, they'll tease it. But you know, he, I don't know. You know, especially with Orton's match style lately, I feel like he'll he'll drag it out more and not. Not saying that's a bad thing, you know, working that psychology and working, like, teasing, you know, that huge spot, which I feel like we're definitely getting. I don't see any way we're not getting Jeff Hardy leaping off that cage at some point. Um, So, I just hope he survives. I mean, the man's my age. I don't know how he's doing. Like, it it hurts for me to get out of bed in the morning, and I haven't taken Mm. the bumps that Jeff Hardy's taken um, for the last 20 years, so I don't know how he's He's still doing it. Who do you have winning? Um, Randy Orton. Absolutely. I got Randy Orton going yeah. over, and that's how I would book it, too. I feel like they're grooming him for, like, AJ, honestly. 
You know, I, I hate to sense, say it, but, but I feel like because he, he's going to, you know, after people's like heroes, I feel like AJ is mm-hmm. next on his list. So, um, but yeah. Unless he goes after Rusev. Or he goes after Daniel Bryan. Or, yeah. You know, so I don't think he's going after Rusev. That'd I know. I was joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they did they have a did they have a feud for a little bit? Oh, yeah, recently? while it was terrible. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot about it. Um. So, but yeah. All right. Moving on. Oh, who do you have? Oh, I have Orton. You have Orton. Sure. Okay. I just assumed. Uh, <laughs> moving on, the Raw's Women's Championship match: Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss. Alexa's been working on her armbar. Great. Yeah. It, All 90 pounds of her. <laughs> <laughs> she will be flung around the ring and put in an arm button in two seconds. If uh, this were yes. a real fight. Yes. <laughs> One thing I thought was a screw up on Raw, Rana mocked Alexa's arm bar and said, oh, you're not even putting it on right. But at the same time last week, Alexa tapped uh, Natalia with it mm. so I was like do you really want to say that after she just defeated like you know your mentor exactly so I was like I, I thought that was a bad move on their part um, I don't see any way that Rhonda loses against Bliss here you know do you yeah. no but do do we, are we pulling the trigger on Natalia yet or are we holding off or we haven't had Nia in a while I don't, I don't I know, but do we have Nia come out and interfere, costing Ronda the match, and then she sides with Bliss? That's the only way I see Bliss winning this match. That would That's not what I want. I know. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't put it past him, because Jax hasn't wrestled the match no. in, God, a couple months it's got to she be. She's got to be part of the evolution in some way. I would think so. If she's healthy, maybe she's injured. I don't know. Um, but I haven't seen anything reported. No. So, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I think they're playing it safe. I think they want Ronda going into Evolution with the belt mm-hmm. for a big title match. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. Unless that Trish Stratus versus Alexa Bliss match is actually for the title. You know, because it did feel kind of out of nowhere, but... <laughs> You give Trish Stratus just one more so she can be above uh, Charlotte. Yeah, but Charlotte's going to do that, you know. <laughs> In another, you know, couple months, she'll have another title reign if she drops the belt. Mm-hmm. That is. So, um, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I got Ronda going over, though. And that's how I would book it. <laughs> yeah. So, I would definitely let Bliss get some offense in this time, though, and not have it be such a squash match because that's really what it was last time. So maybe tone down the, you know, trash talk in the ring a little. Um, it depends. If they have people on the side, maybe Ronda can be easily distracted for a second. And then Alexa gets in some cheating to slow down. Like, um, maybe for her like, offense, you're saying? Yeah. Like she oh, yeah. beats her down so that she can. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the way. I, I just, Alexa gets offense in against Nia Jax. There's no reason why she couldn't get something in against Ronda. You know, I mean, wrestling-wise. Real life, no, of course. <laughs> but my thing is, too, like, Stephanie McMahon got offense in against Ronda. Mm-hmm. So are we saying that Stephanie McMahon is a better wrestler than Bliss? Yes. But logically, wrestling-wise, she's been a multi-time champion. Ste- Stephanie, what? 
You know? She hasn't wrestled in how many years? But she's Stephanie McMahon. Okay. Stop yourself. But she's Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> Stop yourself. All right. So, uh, you're saying round of two? Yeah. Okay. SmackDown Women's Championship. And actually, this is probably one of the matches I'm looking most forward to. Mm. I will say that. I think it has potential to steal the, sh- uh, steal the night. And I wish this was in a cell as well. Yes. This is another match that feels like it should be in the cell, especially over or Hardy and Orton. Yeah. I feel like there's more heat between these two um, than you know any heat between Orton and uh, Hardy at this point. And I feel like they could have a better match because it was, it was Flair versus um, Sasha. Sasha, right? I feel like they would have a better match than Flair and Sasha did. I didn't think their match was bad, though, Flair and Sasha. It wasn't bad, but I've, I'm just saying in general. Yeah. <sighs> Well, and then right now, storyline wise, mm. I feel like this just belongs. They've got like that few. That stretcher moment in that match was just horrendous. It took way too long. It killed all momentum in that match. It was. You know, my problem with the match was more just the ending. Felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, too. And I feel like Sasha Banks was just constantly trying to kill herself during the match. I was like, what are you doing? Stop it. Uh, but anyway, let's not talk about a match from two I'm just years saying ago. that Flair and Lynch would have a very intense confrontation in the cell. Yes, yes. I feel like this warrants the hell in the mm. cell. Absolutely. And I would I was actually predicting that it was going to be in the cell. Um, you know, and I honestly thought Styles and Joe were was announced for the cell, but I was wrong. Mm. So um but yeah, Charlotte and Becky in this um not in the cell. <laughs> Uh, but yes, um, for the belt, how, what do you think is going to happen? How is this going to play out? Um, I would like to see this get some time. I'd like to see them both like almost be, uh, equals throughout this entire match. Mm-hmm. Just back and forth fighting between each other till exhaustion almost and have, yeah, I guess we have to have, if I want Becky to win, of course. Mm-hmm. But we have to have some point where Becky cheats. Yes. And I want Becky to be vicious. Mm. I want to see a different side of her. I know we're getting her, like, jumping Charlotte. That's what we got tonight. She's in the crowd in disguise. <laughs> she jumped. Like, we mentioned it, like, when Charlotte came out. I was like, why is she high-fiving the fans so much? Are they that desperate mm. to get her some cheers? Um, and then, you know, at the end of the match, she goes the back to the crowd and starts high-fiving everyone, hugs a little girl, which we mentioned, like, she, I'm surprised she's not hugging a little girl. And then sure enough, she does. And then Becky comes in and, you know, in a bad wig and glasses, <laughs> attacks Charlotte. Um, nice little moment and everything. She got a few boos this time. Still mm-hmm. more chance than boos, though. Um, I feel like Charlotte is going to win this match to continue Becky chasing after her. Um, I feel like it's going to be in a way that's going to be questionable, which will add fuel to the fire right now, um, if you will, um, with Becky. So, um, and I think it will eventually lead to a double turn where, you know, and I... Becky's already kind of in the fans' eyes the face of the feud, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like you'll get a full like Charlotte heel turn, and then Becky will be the face. Um, so because that does lend to sympathy if she is a screwy finish. Yes, exactly. Um, I I feel like that's what's going to happen. If I was going to book it, it would happen in this match though. <laughs> 
I was going to book it. I would not prolong it. I feel like they're just not doing enough and they're not completely invested in Becky Ian being a heel, it seems like. It, it, they're towing the line, but they're not going over the line mm-hmm. enough. So if you're not going to do it right, uh, you know, just don't do it at all in my eyes. You know, just go ahead, do a double turn in this match. You know, have Becky, you know, be that heroic, you know, he'll have her have this, you know, amazing moment where she just prevails against all odds, but still loses somehow and have Charlotte like cheating basically to win. It'd be quick, easy, you know, a la, you know, Austin and Hart at WrestleMania, you know. I mean, I don't want her to lose her badass persona so far. No, no. I think you keep her as that Mm. badass. You keep her, I mean... Austin didn't lose a thing. It made him more of a badass. So I think you can do it in a way where she keeps her steam and she can keep that edge to her. But you have Charlotte as, you know, the natural heel that she is Mm. now. I just feel like she works so much better as a heel. I mean, she's great no matter what, but I feel like she just is a natural heel. She doesn't garner sympathy from the crowd. She's, you know six foot tall, you know, has the legacy, the lineage behind her. She's won multiple championships. Mm. She's just not that baby face um, that they're looking for. Not against Becky, at least. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I think is going to happen and how I would book it. (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) Little bookends on that. Uh (laughs) Uh, Next we have AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. All right, Christian, where are we going with this? Um, I think it's... I I want it to be Joe winning the title. We do have another pay-per-view event. In Australia, once right again, what I was talking about. I feel like it's taking heat from this, you know, pay-per-view completely. I it's, know they're getting tons of money for it, but at what cost, I don't know. I mean, if we're thinking in grand scheme of things, now that you've mentioned Orton, I feel like that would be a good title field after to have Orton as you know I'm trying to take away your heroes right after you know we have this whole storyline with Joe you know pointing out that he's like heroes to the fans but he's not a hero at home and all this type of stuff Mm -hmm. going on there that's that's I think that's another good progression um I think it'll be a terrible feud but between Styles and uh, Orton yeah I think Styles could I think they could have a, a good match together like no, we're not worried about the match. Orange, I'm like, just, oh, the actual angle? Yeah, the angle, I feel like, will be... See, I enjoy, like, I enjoyed what Orton started with, but I feel like they got away with that for mm. some reason. Um, I don't know why. It just... I don't know. It just... They, they almost forgot about it. They need to go back to that and, you it was, know, his mission statement, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, he was just trying to ruins the, the 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 fans you know heroes and like really you know destroy everything that the fans love and mm-hmm. i liked that um and i liked the viciousness that he showed um in doing so but they just got away from it for you know the last like month it feels like mm-hmm. um and that he really needs to regain that heat and maybe that's what the Allen cell is going to be about you know, maybe he just dismantles Hardy and, you know, does something horrific to him, like an RKO off the fucking cage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. so Randy would never agree, but... I don't... I, you know, he wouldn't, <laughs> and I don't blame him. So, but, yeah. But, anyway, um, 
I feel like they're really grooming Orton and Styles mm-hmm. in a program after this. Um, so, yes, I have Styles going over here. I don't know. I know they have a match in Australia, so I feel like it's probably going to be either a DQ finish, um, a la the whole Nakamura program that they ran. Um, you know, maybe Joe gets DQ'd this time, so it's technically a rubber match in Australia. But I feel like this program's not going to last mm. much longer. I did love uh, Joe's storybook, though, um, tonight, where he literally had a <laughs> book made about, mm. you know, the whole program and him tormenting Styles' family. I mean, I could see this going to Survivor Series. Survivor Series is in November. Yes. I'm fine with that as long as Joe gets the title one for, you know, at some point. I just feel like they'll I do just, what they did with Nakamura and it'll just see be it. more Exactly. I could see it going to November, but I don't want to see it going to November if mm. it's just going to be this 50-50 booking and then, you know, the blow-off match is just Styles going over and that's it. You know, because it feels like it could easily, right now, it feels like it's following that template. Um, that, you know, Styles and Nakamura set. Mm-hmm. So that's my fear. And I would just, like, my whole, like, I would have enjoyed that program between Nakamura and Styles a lot more if Nakamura got to carry the strap for, you know, a couple weeks at least, you know, or, like, for one month, you know, to another pay-per-view. Um, you know, I they used to do that more often, and I understand why they got away from it, where you'd have, like, you know, kind of a transitional champion. Mm-hmm. Um they haven't been doing it. They've been much longer title reigns recently, which is a good thing. But it doesn't hurt once in a while to have that happen, you know, and kind of keep the fans on their toes, that kind of unpredictability. Because mm-hmm. um, right now I feel like Styles' run has been very predictable the way it's been booked. So, and I, I, I would like to see an unhinged Styles chasing Joe with the belt. I so. would too, but I don't see them taking the belt. No, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> If I was going to book it, Joe would win it here. Styles would chase him till Survivor Series and win the belts back. Um, that's how I would book it. So, but I think it's going to end up being kind of a messed up finish, and it's going to leave that question up there. So they have to have that, you know, rubber match mm-hmm. in Australia. So, which I feel like is just going to end up being a glorified house show, honestly. So, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I do agree. All right, next match. Main event time. Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman in a Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley as your special guest referee because he's going off the top of the cage. <laughs> if they throw that old man off the top of the cage, I will pop up I mean, the lawsuits that would be flying right after that would just be insane. Um, <laughs> I would love it though. Like having him in that match, especially with like it being the twentieth anniversary mm. of you know his epic Hell in a Cell match, just makes fans want it even more. You know, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. He's not medically clear. There's no way he's doing anything in this match. It's unfortunate. You know, almost feels it's like a more stunt. of a tease. It's not wrestling. Uh, no, no. <laughs> so, uh. Man, so how quick are they out of this cage? Oh, immediately. Like, right? Like, maybe two, three minutes? 
Like, Braun will hit him out of the ring and then hit him right out of the cage. Or is it Roman spearing him through the cage? I hope not. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's got to be Braun. I'd love to see Braun just rip a hole through the fucking Mm -hmm. cage, too. I think that'd be awesome. But, you know, I don't know. Um, Lots of interference. Yes, once that happens. Oh, yeah. You've got the Dogs of War and the Shield outside. Just crazy interference. I don't know if you get, I mean, literally the whole heel locker room of Raw coming out. I mean, they surrounded the ring this week. Um, basically explained their motives, at least Braun explained their motives to everyone. Kevin did too later on um, at his um, when he uh, uh, did a promo. But basically, you know, that they're all fed up with the Shield and they're not going to let them run the yard anymore. Um, which... I think I was saying last week, which makes sense. Like, why the fuck wouldn't they all just team up and take mm-hmm. care of the shield? So um, does does the shield like immediately get into the ring, close the cell? You know. Oh, and then and then that's Ron how it ends. I would see it almost ending that way, mm-hmm. where they all corner Braun in the ring, and then they take out Strowman um, together, and just kind of amping up. You know, shield versus everyone. That kind of like, you know, that. I easily see it going to be a shield versus everyone's. Yeah, yeah. It Um, feels very much like Roman's versus everyone storyline in the past. Yeah. Um. I could definitely. Yeah, I do feel like it's going to end up being that way. I feel like Roman's going to hold on that belt. I don't think they're taking it off. It's just too soon, after everything he's gone through. Um, if I was going to book it, Braun would go over and you would have like the dogs of war with all the belts and just being this monster heel faction. Now, does this match just count as his briefcase? Yes. Yes. See, it would be interesting if it wasn't because then if he lost the match, he could immediately like attack it right away. Yeah, no, he cashed in. Which is a very baby face thing to Mm. do. Um, cause you think if he knew he was going to turn heel, he would just hold on to the briefcase, you know, and just take him out. This is my point. insurance. Yes, exactly. So that's why the booking's been a little weird. Um, not very thought out, if you will. I, and I wouldn't put it past them to change their minds last minute and have it just be a regular match and him having the briefcase still. No, he literally handed it to, me I know, but... <laughs> to uh, Baron Corbin. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> does, I... does Kevin Owens show up? Because now he has the free reign to do whatever he wants. Yes, he got a pass. <laughs> he has a pass. from. And I want him to actually have a physical pass. I, would, I think that'd be awesome. But he's been basically given a free pass, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants now. So he came out. He had a match against Shannon Moore. He took him outside, powerbombed on the apron with before the bell even rang, and that was it. And he got away. He could do whatever he wants. Mm. So, yeah, I could see Kevin Owens coming out. Um I'm still hoping we get a face turn from Owens just to have, you know, him finally get one up over Braun, but that's not going to happen. So, but if I was to book this match, um, back to to Roman and Braun, I would definitely have Braun going over and him, you know, um, having the belt and having the Dogs of War go over as a faction um, and have the Shield chasing them. But I don't think they'll pull the trigger on that. I think it's probably just going to be Roman going over with the shield standing tall in the ring, you know, somehow they're the ones who took out Braun by getting inside mm-hmm. the ring. Um, and, you know, 
you have the you know Drew and um, Dolph with the tag team title, so you still have heat between the two factions, and you know they'll finally go to war like at Survivor Series because I do believe there is a match set up for them too in Australia, mm-hmm. so. You know, you'll probably have, I'm guessing a Survivor Series will probably be like the Dogs of War with like Corbin. And then you'll have, um, you know, the Shield with Angle, Mm. you know, going up against each other. And maybe it'll be for like control of Raw, something like that. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they book it. Yes. You know, so. Sorry, Christian. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to sound like a downer. It's just... How I feel about that. No, I totally understand. That's not how they booked it, though. Mm. I mean, I, I know nothing, but I, I just would not put it past them. It feels no. very typical WWE booking. Every couple years, Survivor Series seems to be for control of, mm. you know, one of the shows. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I would not put it past them. So, I just don't want to see them completely like snuff out any heat that you know the dogs of war have right now Mm -hmm. i think that'd be unfortunate because i feel like they could at least milk this for another like four or five months if they really want to do if they do it right because i do dig you know a good heel faction i feel like they do have potential being that um add a few people here and there i think that it could work um and then you have like like you said, the shield versus everyone, but in this different light where, mm-hmm. you know, they're warring against this faction. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's where I see the um, pay-per-view signing off with, you know, Roman and the shield, you know, standing tall. I have all of them holding titles, fireworks going off. Um, that would just be, I feel like it would just destroy confetti. all their heat. I, I, I hope they learned with what they did to the Nexus because that's pretty much what they ended up doing and just killed them right off the bat. That stable meant nothing afterwards. So, um, I really, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but I really The Shield's the greatest faction of all time. Oh, God, that makes me sick. What do you think about Bray Wyatt's comments about that? Where he actually posted that and then he said, this is why, you know, I'll be back soon, but this is why I do the things that I do. And they had the list and I didn't even put it together. The Wyatts aren't on that list at all. So it kind of teases that, you know, White might be coming back with some friends. I mean, it'd be interesting if he got a push, but he's not getting a push. <laughs> He'll get a push, but then It'll they'll end like, up destroying yeah, it. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> he just won't win any matches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll get plenty of mic time. Um, He'll have as, many, as much book TV that. time as Sanity. Book so, that. Speaking of Sanity, would you put him with Sanity? I think having a good mouthpiece with them right now would be... Brilliant. Yeah, it's like they haven't discovered that Eric Young can talk. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it because Eric Young is decent on the mic, so I don't know why he's not more of a mouthpiece. Mm. But he talked on NXT, right? A little, I feel like, um, more than he is now. But on TNA, I mean, he did everything, man. He was a utility player on that program, so he could do everything. Um, I could see them taking like hit, uh, Bright and Harper and teaming them with Sanity and just having this monster faction just running SmackDown. I think that would be awesome. It would be awesome, but they're not going to do that. I don't know. A monster faction? 
Yeah. They haven't done one in a while, so it would be cool. Well, the shield was a monster faction. I'm, not that size, though. No, oh, a giant faction? Yes. Yeah, but I feel like Sanity would be just the grunts that mm-hmm. like Wyatt would be using to protect himself. Um, but, you know, I I think that'd be fun. If that's running on SmackDown, who is his adversary? Daniel Bryan. He's just going after Daniel Bryan? Daniel. Well, oh, who's? I think he's going after everyone, but I think Daniel Bryan's the one who stands up against him. Mm. And they have a past, so that's fantasy booking. <laughs> <laughs> They'll put him in some shitty fucking tag team. <laughs> I don't, They were talking about him also coming back as a face at one point, which I was like, I don't want to see him as a no. face. He doesn't work. But that tweet lends me to believe that, no, he's not coming back as a oh, face. Yeah. At all. Um, also, there was a rumor, um, you know, not to drag on the show. You're fine. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I know I'm fine. Um, but there was a rumor that their Heyman is supposed to be putting together a faction. That they want Heyman to lead a faction in the WWE. Now, do you put Heyman with a group like Dogs of War? Or do you give him something new? I feel like Heyman would work with Dogs of War a lot. Yeah. I could see that too. If they want to keep them all together. I think that's three talents that are worth his time. Yes. And he would, it feels like at this point he's going to be going just strictly with like marquee Mm. talent. But if you were to put together a faction on Raw, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm assuming, well, I guess either one. Raw or SmackDown, you can choose. Any wrestlers. With Heyman, who would you put him with? We'll, we'll give you a four wrestler limit. Four wrestler limit? Yes. Um, Owens, Bray. Oh, wow. I have to think of two more. I'm trying to think of who's on the Raw roster that would fit that group. I would love to see Drew on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> um... Ziggler's a good wild card, I guess, if you wanted to have that, those four, and they mm-hmm. turned on Braun or something. Yeah, I feel like if I feel like that's eventually going to happen. You know, I feel like that turn is gonna like mm-hmm. they're gonna turn or Braun's gonna turn on them somehow. Something's gonna happen between those guys. I can't. I'm trying to think of someone who would. I mean, if you turned Finn heel, yeah, and had him working with McIntyre, Owens, and Bray, that would be insane. That would be insane, right? And then have Heyman as a fucking mouthpiece. That would be great. I like that idea. Because Finn's not doing crap. No. Is he even on this card? No. No, exactly. He's not on this card at all. So. He'll be in the Battle Royal this WrestleMania pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) We got a few months to go, so let's hope not. Uh, But I, yeah, I I like that idea, though. I, I I like him being with Finn. Um, man, if I was going to do Finn now, I would almost, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go with the uh, revival too. You know, I'm going to do like a a pure like wrestler, like stable, like it's just like, you know, wrestlers, Mm -hmm. um, with Heyman like behind them. And then like, I'll give them a heater. I'll give them a monster. I would call up someone from NXT, like Lars Sullivan. Like put them, you know, mm-hmm. with them, and then at the same time, you actually have you know him underneath the learning tree, so he is kind of getting that like you know training on the job training from Heyman in the group. But I think that would be fun. 
Rio would be really fun, though. Heyman hmm. brings up all of Undisputed Era. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. I don't see it happening. No. God. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be fun. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just maybe it's just me wanting something for Finn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you put do you put like the club back with uh, Finn? What what even show is the club on? Right? The club's on SmackDown, so you'd have to yeah, there'd have to be a trade or something. I still does WWE smarten up and just put all Bullet Club back together, like all the people that they have. No, they're they're not smart enough to do. No, they're not smart enough. Great. Do they finally? Oh, wait a second. (laughs) I here's something that's really popular that's able to sell out an arena without the WWE label on Mm. it. Um, and we have all the originals, like most well, most of the originals, you know, and the most popular members. Imagine if we could literally print money right now. Imagine if they picked up Top (laughs) Dog. Just so they I wouldn't be surprised if they do. They're he, gonna he they're gonna make terrible. some kind of move. I don't think, and this is completely random, but I do not think that any of the leads leaving. No, I feel like especially after watching the after show of um, All In and you know the speeches that they're making, they're not going anywhere. No, um, you know I I do feel like WWE might end up cashing in their chips though if they're smart. Um, and put those guys together. Um, just it just makes sense as an answer to you know what's going on outside their door. Like if you really want to make some money, you've got it right there. You know, and then they're making plenty of money. Don't get me wrong, but you want to put together something that'll get over big time. You know, especially with Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. You know, lingering. You could totally you know team all those guys up and make it a big deal. You know, make them have have them go against like the dogs of war or something like that. Or if Wyatt puts together a faction, you know, I mean that would be fun. People. I mean, my so dream that. is that they would have like a group almost like the club, where it would be a faction that's warring on all shows. Yeah, that you could have, you could keep undisputed era down in NXT. Working with the club that's also on Raw. And so, like, literally, down. we're taking over. Yes. You know, it's not just three guys. You've got Styles and, you know, the club, you know, on SmackDown. You have Finn and, you know, team them up with someone else, you know, on Raw. And then you have Undisputed Era. That would be awesome. And you kind of got, like, a microcosm of what's happening outside of WWE exactly. with, you know, the Bullet Club and ROH and New Japan and everywhere. Right now, um, yeah, that would be smart, you know, and you would sell tons of shirts, you know, if you get the right fucking logo and, you know. I mean, they could they could spread it out, make it just the Undisputed Era at that point. What do you mean? Call the rest of them just the Undisputed Era. I don't think they'll do that. Doing... I hate that fucking name. <laughs> I, love the, I love the stable. I just hate that fucking name. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. They're undisputed and it's their era. Okay, whatever. And sure, guy. Been <laughs> I'm just saying. Just do some kind of... Co- all you need... I mean, that logo is so important, you know? Um, all you need is get your best design team, like, guys on it and just have them I mean, fucking... As long as it's not the up. gas mask with the stores. No, that's so generic. Yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> give, it, give them something a little more clever, but mm. edgy, you know? 
Um, but yeah, and let them know who they really are. You know, obviously they can't be called the Bullet Club, but you know, something that you know. Pays if it's just homage. the two arrows, that's fine. <laughs> so, well, we went on a tangent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's gonna do it for this week. Yep. All right. Uh, before we go, we have some shout outs um, to some podcasts that we think you should be listening to outside of our network. Of All course. right. And who might that be? So we are looking at Pitney and Amelia's Bitching Boutique, uh, Fruit and His Fly Filling Your Ear Holes with Fun on all platforms. Um, and they talk comedy, pop culture, nerd culture, horror, and spirituality. Um, go ahead and check them out. Um, and they've got the hashtag Pattern Family and LGBTQ. Um, so, yeah, just a fun podcast. Give them a listen. Um, next, we got For Better or Worse. Uh, For Better or Worse is a podcast where a married couple with the opposite tastes force each other to watch their movies and shows, oh, and shows, and then talk about the experience. Hell no, would I ever do this with my wife. <laughs> I couldn't handle watching, you know, 52 episodes of The Housewife. So, uh, <laughs> um, and trust me, it works the other way around. She would not want to deal with watching wrestling or, mm. you know, some of the garbage she would say that I watch. So, um, but yeah, so give them a listen. Um, that's a daring podcast now right there. I feel there. like we have to do an episode. <laughs> she would have no part in that trust me uh next is the monster's closet a controversial podcast where semi-grown men discuss video games as their very lives depend on it uh so and they're talking pc xb1 switch and ps4 xbox one xb1 Whatever. That's what it's it's written on the page, okay? <laughs> Jeez, Christian. Uh next we got Piping Hot Tea Podcast. Piping Hot Tea with Vince and Emily, a comedy podcast where we discuss everything and everything. Oh, anything and everything, sorry guys. Give us a listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You could yeah. say they've got the hot tea. Oh, God, Christian, that's awful. I apologize for Christian. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and then once again, go ahead and check out our new network. Yes. Uh, Drama City Productions. Productions. Yes. That's right. So check out us over there and check out all the awesome podcasts. Yes, if you Google them, their website shows up immediately. Yes. So definitely check them Head out. Head over to their site and click away. And outside of Drama City Productions, you can also find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Player FM, and many more. Because Google Play. Google Play as well, there yes. There we go. Because uh, we are on almost every single podcasting app at this point. That's right. We're also on all of your social media. Yes. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're on Twitch now, yes. so go ahead, fo follow us there. Um, we try to bring different content on each one of those platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, did you say iTunes? Yeah, I said iTunes. Okay, make sure, please, people, <laughs> rate, review, uh, subscribe. Subscribe, yes, for God's sake, subscribe. 
You know, all that good stuff that every podcast asks you to do, we need it too, okay? So it helps us do what we do. And when you're done doing all that, make sure you check out our house DJ. That's right, Mr. Greg Rebner. You can follow him on SoundCloud. You can actually download our intro right now. You you can make that your literal, like, ringtone. Yes, yes. So, and it's free. Yes, exactly. And it's free. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, and then you can also uh, check out our house band that's yes. playing right now. Them Guilty Aces. That's right. Uh, Chicago area band. Uh, awesome rockabilly vibe. Uh, they've got stuff on iTunes you can download. They also have free stuff on their website. And they have a YouTube channel where they've got a couple of videos up right now. David doesn't know this, but I also intro the Twitch channel with uh, songs from both Greg and um, I exit the show. With uh, them guilty aces. Oh, nice. All right. Little, I like little, that. Little touches. You know? I like that. I like that. It's the details that matter. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode. So I'm Christian. And I'm Damon. And that was the amazing Nerd Show. This has been a Drama City production.